You're listening to the Plane Talking UK podcast, the UK-based podcast written by a passenger for anyone. And here are your hosts, Carlos Stevings, Matt Smith and Neville Bounds. Well, hello and welcome to episode number 181 of the Plane Talking UK podcast. I'm Carl Stebbings and joining me back in the kitchen studio again yes, this week, yes. it's Matt. Yes, hello everyone. Yes, I am back. I just had a little week, a little weekend away in my caravan and unfortunately, uh, whilst Sandringham is a beautiful place, it is obviously somewhere rather void of both Wi-Fi and Wi-Fi and mobile phone uh, network signals. So uh, yeah. yes, uh, sorry about that, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. I will join you last week. But, we, uh, we were going to try a Skype call. But we, th- we did Matt try, gonna, yeah. No, we did. A, I did try. No. I managed to watch about four minutes, um, and uh, oh. I have to. I have to be said, I was very impressed actually, Mr. Carlos. I was very proud of you. I started on you started time. on time and everything, which is not what we've done today because it is. Uh, <laughs> it is the eighth of September today, so it's Friday the eighth of September, and it is eight minutes past seven. So we've just started the uh, show. So our other illustrious host who can't be with us tonight, ah, yes. Mr. Neville Bounds, Sir Neville Bounds, he can't join us tonight because he, he's on location. <laughs> Somewhere in the world, uh, probably. Um, I think this week he's probably interviewing Trump. I was I was interviewing royalty last week, obviously, because I was yeah. I was at Sandringham. Sandringham. Yeah, I think I think yes. um, yeah, I think uh, he's interview- probably interviewing Trump or yeah. one of those. Uh, um, Richard Branson, people. possibly, or, or Branson. Yeah, yeah, like that, yeah, yeah. So never can't be with us, unfortunately. But um, he'll be back hopefully uh, next week uh, via a Skype link. I think because Nev's going away. He's going to some faraway destination next week uh, over in the US of A. He is. Yeah. Uh, he, I hope, hopefully he's going to have a meet up as well uh, there as oh, well with, some, oh, with cool. some listeners which will be quite good yeah absolutely. but we have got guests hosts on the show a plenty this yes. week we've got uh, well joining us back again he's everyone's famous pal and favorite pal it's captain al <laughs> hello everyone I'm obviously the only one who's not on drugs tonight. No, right. Okay. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We, yeah. I'm worried so, Al's going to be normal. Tonight. Yeah. This is it. Yeah. The the the, uh, the uh, pre-show um, before before we actually started recording was um, a little bit manic and uh, it yes. was. Yeah. Absolutely. I don't know really. I don't. It's, you know, I blame Carlos. I don't know what's the matter with him. It's just, but well, you leave, welcome. You leave him welcome in the Al. studio for one week on his own and he goes a bit sort of stir crazy. Anyway, thanks thanks for joining us, Al. Where, whereabouts do you hail from on this uh, fine Friday evening? Uh, you find me um, tucked up in the uh, Wheatwood Hall Hotel in Leeds. Ew. Mm. <laughs> and uh, yeah. we were just looking before we started the show, Al. Your your uh, broadband speed's pretty poor this evening. Yeah, it is quite it? appalling. I'm yeah. a bit concerned you're going to fall offline. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it seems to have dropped down to about 100 meg on the Wi-Fi. Yes. So oh, yeah. that's terrible. Yeah, yeah 100, 100 meg down, 120 meg up. Yeah, yeah. I don't know how you'll cope, really. <laughs> so our next guest host joining us on the show this week he's been well he's been aloof for the last blimey knows how many weeks he's i don't know where he's but i think he's just been <laughs> everywhere but anywhere mm. i think so uh, welcome back pilot pip ah the legend that is pilot pip that's me hi okay okay Hi, have we started? Yes, yes, yes we, we have. Started, yes, yes. Yes. Something oh, like excellent. that, yes. Hi, everyone. <laughs> it's like watching a puppy Hi, that everyone. suddenly discovered its name. <laughs> <laughs> How we, Pip, I, I think your, your uh, hotel Wi-Fi is not quite up to the uh, no, standards of uh, Captain Al's Wi-Fi. But <laughs> no, when I did a speed test earlier, I was oh. getting zero point. Eight. Wow. Okay. Well, really? As good as that. Well, yeah. anyway, you know, you're moving mm. again now, so we'll, we'll 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 hang on in there while we still. Uh, how how are things yeah. with you anyway, Pip? We obviously haven't heard from you uh, for about six years. Um, yeah. Sorry, um, I've I've been rather uh, lax lately, haven't I? I've been away. I've been working like crazy in July. 
August uh, was mostly off on my fabulous holiday in the States, but I'm back in the thick of it now. And I'm on one of my very, very favouritest places, and that's uh, Palma, Mallorca. Oh, I thought wow. you were going to say Luton Airport then. <laughs> Luton Airport, right. I would not call that my favourite places. <laughs> no, no, no. no, no, no. <laughs> not even in jest. No, no, indeed. Not even no, as I'm a in Mallorca. Um, <laughs> and I just got here this afternoon after a busy... So no 100 hamburgers day. tonight then? <laughs> no, I just, just came back from my favourite bar, Hogan's Bar, just down the road. Wow. Nice chicken wings and uh, salad and a couple of cokes. There's a, a very American flavour here on the island tonight. Uh, there's Americans everywhere. Oh, oh. that's all right, though. We like uh, that. They're friends. No, we do like yeah. that. Um, <laughs> for one very big reason, or in fact, two very big reasons. Unfortunately, I'm on the wrong side of the hotel, so I can't show you. But just on the other side where the uh, harbour is, uh, is moored up the USS Enterprise. Oh, oh now we're talking. Oh. Hey. And it's absolutely flipping enormous. Is it? Right. Oh, wow. It's in dock along with another a warship of some description. Okay. Uh, see, all, all I've got is Star Trek in my head enjoying now. themselves at the moment. <laughs> is, oh, I thought uh, you were talking Cap- about Star Trek. Yeah, yeah is, 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 is yeah. Captain Picard there or not? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No? No, th- no, you can't put the that one. You can't moor it up in the water. Mm-hmm. You're oh. obviously not a Star Trek fan, Al, because you would know this. <laughs> Otherwise... <laughs> This no, is basic no. Star Trek trivia that you can't yeah. moor up <laughs> the Enterprise. Okay, no. okay. The only Klingons I've ever had have been dealt with now. Okay, <laughs> okay, and uh, moving on. Anyway, it's moving to on. Welcome our final guest this evening, <laughs> and it gives me great pleasure. It's, it's a friend of the show and my my partner in crime when it comes to putting out this at the end of each uh, show. Uh, welcome on the show, the legend, the king of Harpjet, obviously. Oh, it yeah. is Owen. Hello, Owen. Hi guys, how are things? Uh, yes. Great to be back on the show. Yes, it's a bit crazy Ooh, here. Really? Uh, uh, you're... Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Not feeling love for it right now. I'm not surprised. Uh, <laughs> oh, how, how are things with you, Owen? I'll take it you've been uh, probably halfway across Europe and back 16 times since we last spoke. <laughs> yeah, and that was just um, yesterday. Yeah, and that's just today. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've actually spent quite a fair bit of time on the ground in the last uh, in the last week or two. I've been on home standby for quite a bit of last week. I've got uh, two airport standbys this week and two home standbys this week. So I only actually yeah. have uh, okay. you, you, I, only, I only have I think twelve flights in in two weeks. Wow. Uh, you, unfortunately, Owen, what you've just told me basically is essentially you've got plenty of time to edit the show this week, so that's great news. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I thought, um, I thought that before we uh, straight in and suck it, that's it. Yes, indeed. So on a on a more serious note, guys and girls, I thought before we started the show off properly tonight, I thought we'd just uh, just spare a thought for everyone uh, over in the US who's been affected or being affected by the current hurricane Irma. Yes. Um, well, I think we've all been watching the news reports yeah, on TV and stuff, and very the devastation has been absolutely, you know, just, I've never seen anything like it before, and yeah. it's terrible, terrible. So for all of our listeners over in the US who have been affected by that, we're all thinking of you here yep. over in the PTUK studios, and, uh, you know, we know the storm, I think, is on its way towards Florida, I think, now. It's going to hit yeah. there Sunday yeah. as Florida, we speak. Florida, that um, there, yeah. Yes, which is, is terrible. I hope, you know, you know, mm. take care, guys and girls out there. Stay safe, and, everybody. Uh, stay yeah. safe, mm. yeah. Well, moving on, we yep. are, we've got some uh, some mm. t- some housework to we uh, have to do to before we start. Yep. So, uh, so as the music plays, then it's time to thank our special 
well, donators to the show. It's our Patreons who donate every single month to the show and help us pay for all the little bits and bobs that we have to do and replace and uh, the fees and the various things that cover the costs of running the show. So we're going to uh, thank, special thanks to uh, Adrian Meacham, Captain Jeff, uh, Dr. Steph, Stuart Black, uh, Liz Piper, and we've got a new Patreona this uh, week, a, a Evan pa- Shue. A Patreona? Patreona. <laughs> Evan Shue, thanks an for... elderly uh, person <laughs> possibly yeah. to the running of the show? <laughs> Stop uh, it. So thanks to Evan Shue, Adam Spink, uh, Matt Donemeyer, Jeff Ward, Ben Todd, York Mola, Philip Labe, and uh, Captain Al. Thanks to Captain Al. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Newman. And we've got Matthew Buntingframe, yep. uh, the lovely Myla, who's uh, very kindly still donating, even though she's doing lots oh, of no, flying and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Ryan Harper, Jenny Parkinson, Shudbaka, and Ray Williams. Wow. So a massive thanks to all you guys yeah. uh, for donating to the show. Yeah. Uh, we've got a few things that we're intending on doing with the show over the next uh, few months. Um, which are going to make things a bit more shiny and um, HD-ish. Mm, that's, the yep. that's the plan. So uh, a massive thanks to all of you uh, who donate. If you want to donate to the show, take yourselves over to our website, www.plaintalkinguk.com. There's a link on there for Libsy, uh, for, uh, for Patreon, I should say, uh, which you can click on. link for Libsy. I know. You can click on the link for Patreon, and that yes. will take you through to all the relevant bits and bobs where you can donate, or you can donate via the old-school way, which is PayPal. Yeah. For a one-off donation, yeah. and everything is greatly uh, received, and we really do appreciate. Also, it. don't forget if you if if uh, like me, where you can't really afford to sort of be contributing. Uh, one of the things you can do send if you do, if you do well, the same feedback you can definitely do that audio feedback as per usual. But uh, we do have a link on our website, and uh, which which goes through to Amazon. And um, basically, uh, if you use the link on our website, uh, Amazon pay us a small referral fee for uh, anything that you buy using that that link. It, you can buy anything on it. It's not linked to certain products um, but uh, it's, it's basically and do you like, get to see what products have been bought I, I do get to see what products have been bought but I haven't oh, dead no. look no because no, you told me you told me <laughs> Sorry. Oh, <laughs> okay, yes. Uh, anyway, yes. So uh, we don't really mind what they are, and I don't look, so it's all right. It's fine. Nobody will ever know. No. But, so you uh, didn't see Pip's present, the Black Mamba 2000. No, no, right. Uh, moving on. Okay. Moving swiftly <laughs> on. Then. Abort, abort. Um, anyway. Okay. But seriously, so, uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you yeah. very much for all your kind donation. Yes. It, it helped, really does help uh, keep the show ticking over nicely. So uh, thank you very much. Uh, on, on that subject, for, for audio feedback, if you want to get in touch with the show in any way, it's because obviously Because someone this week has sent us some I audio know, feedback. Very amazing audio yes. feedback, and bless him, he basically uh, did our job for us. He was up at a family day at Bry's Norton and uh, got a couple of cracking interviews yeah. with with pilots. So uh, yeah. feel free to um, do the same. Grab your iPhone or your or your um, Android, Android device. Yes, no, no, iPhone preferred because it's better. It's rubbish. Uh, <laughs> and. Um, and uh, yeah, do uh, record uh, some interviews for us. So it was, it's great. Mm. So we're, we're going to be playing that sort of uh, just yeah, after we've got, the commercial uh, Yeah, we've got uh, the segment sent in from Mark Harvey coming up later. We've also got um, another interview from Seething, a couple of interviews yep. from Seething. We've also got uh, a little snippet to play uh, for this week's uh, Nev's Passenger Experience. Mm-hmm. And we've also got a very, very special interview indeed that Neville uh, took with uh, Michelle Robson, yep. uh, all about her travel blog, and yep, that's coming absolutely. up later and, and on that's in the, the fly, show. Flying, le- turning left Tur- for less. Is turning it? left yeah. for le- uh, less. That's, that's right. it. Yeah. <clears throat> and also, as a special uh, uh, treat for you guys this week who are watching in the YouTube chat room, this week is going to be the first ever showing 
of our new ad that's yeah. going to be promoting the place where we're doing our 200th, 200th show yeah. but we'll in talk January about that next more, year. At, yeah, we'll talk about that more at the end yeah. of the show. But uh, yes, I think it's time to uh, move on. So we are going to start the show then as we do each week with our rundown of the weekly news from around the world and the UK. So if you're ready, Matt. I certainly am, yes. And if you're ready, everyone... No, not really. Okay, yeah. right, splendid. Okay. <laughs> Everyone got their stories Let's open, go. have they? <laughs> Let's go anyway. Okay. In answer to Tony's question in the chat room, no, it's absolutely not rude to eat your dinner whilst watching PTUK. In fact, it is actively encouraged. <laughs> so, kicking off this week's first news story then. Buy a plain talking UK plate and cutlery <laughs> set. Oh, brilliant idea. <laughs> so, kicking off this week's first news story then, Captain Al, it's, uh, the headline is on theguardian.com. And uh, this is obviously a story concerning the, uh, the Hurricane Irma that's uh, mm. playing havoc. Uh, in the US now. And the headline, Delta Airlines plane flies straight into Hurricane Irma and out again. So flight records show that uh, a plane landing in Puerto Rico as storms uh, hit uh, and it departed as well with 170 people on board 40 minutes later. Well, you done well to get that turned around in that time. Uh, as Hurricane Irma threatened to make landfall in Puerto Rico, most pilots were avoiding the area. Understandingly so, perhaps. One Delta Airlines plane, however, headed straight towards the storm. The pilot landed on the island safely and uh, as it was engulfed and got away again within an hour, taking more than 170 people out of the path of the most uh, the powerful Atlantic hurricane ever recorded. Despite the extreme weather closing in, the airline described conditions as well below operating limits for that aircraft when it arrived. Uh, flight records examined by the Guardian show it arriving in San Juan on Puerto Rico's north coast and leaving again around about 40 minutes later. It says our meteorological team is the best in the business, says uh, Delta's Eric Schnell. Uh, they uh, uh, they uh, took a hard look at the weather data and the track of the storm and worked with the flight crew and dispatcher to agree it was safe to operate the flight. And our flight crews and ground crews were incredible in their effort to turn the aircraft around quickly and safely so the flight could depart well before the hurricane threat. The flight was the last to leave the island, which has been battered by the Category 5 hurricane, uh, and it had arrived to uh, 9 miles of visibility and light rain. And winds were around 24 knots, with gusts up to 31 knots, Delta said. It was uh, tracked by an enthusiast using the flight radar tracking software, which showed it taking off and working its way north between the outer band of Irma in the storm's core. So, interesting story, uh, bad weather and stuff. Uh, what are the absolute limits that you can, um, that you can fly in for you, uh, Al, with the, with the Airbus 320, uh, 321 or 330? Mm, 75 knots in reality. Really? So, yeah. so, 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 so Mr. Layman uh, here... Absolute wind strength? Or? Well, yeah, you, you, have, you have door limits, so the door limit is 65 knots off the top of my head, so... Um, You've got a door off the top of your head? Yes. That's <laughs> strange. Uh, the cargo doors, if I remember rightly, have a limit of 65 knots for opening. So, ah. um, But there are a couple so of other bits written in uh, there about... Do, do you have something in your ops that uh, states when the wind gets to so many knots, uh, operations will be halted? No, not at all. No? Not, okay. Uh, yeah. 
So, so, so we do have something. I forget the exact figure. It's something around. So is it kind of your call? Knots and uh, stop is it your, as, as the captain now? Is it your call as to you know if you're going to take the flight or, or or stay put? Yeah, I mean, you know, there are very very few occasions where any airline is going to have cause to operate into an airport where the, the winds are in excess of you know 60 or 70 knots. Um, because typically when you get wind speeds of that sort of nature, um, the direction is also quite variable. So it's not going to be you know, 70 knots from just one direction for the whole day. Um, and you know, when you start to get into the, the realms of hurricanes, then they're obviously moving quite quickly and the wind direction will change over quite a short space of time. Um, so events where you end up operating into to winds of that, that sort of strength are, are, are very rare. I mean, I've only had a couple of occasions where it's been sort of 60-odd knots or so. I have, I have had to wait for the winds to abate to open a door. Yes, Pip, go on. You can outdo me, undoubtedly. Can I? Well, thank you very much, Al. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's Christmas. Anyway. I'll be there shortly. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, guessing, I'm guessing, Pip, because you're, the aircraft you fly is a lot smaller. I'm, I'm, the no, the limits are a lot different or the same? Um, not really. Our crosswind limit is, is 30 knots. Uh, and as I said a second ago, we have something in our ops manual which says uh, when winds get to such and such a strength, I think it's about 80 knots that, we'll, that we won't operate. Um, we don't have any specific limits like opening doors and uh, that sort of stuff. What's, so, the, yeah, yeah. The, what's the strongest wind that you ever recall opening one of your doors? Not you personally. <laughs> well, I presume you have to get out and open them for your guests, don't you? Uh, you know, put out yeah, the red I, carpet and that sort of thing. Oh, indeed, yeah. Uh, I, I, no occasions spring to mind, actually. But I, seriously, is no one in the chat room or anyone going to do a... A Captain Al and strong winds joke. Uh, no, everybody's resisting the obvious <laughs> Come on. They're saving that for APG. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's right, because they're, they're, they're looking after my nervous blushes, you see. That's what it is. They're making sure that I don't have a nervous breakdown. I mean, on, yeah. on, uh, on Harpjet, uh, Owen, you're, you're obviously the one who's got to open that door. So I'm guessing that you'd rather it not be blowing a Force 10 gale against uh, the door. Um, yeah, I mean, our, our doors have gust locks on them, um, so they can withstand gusts up to a certain amount. I have no idea what, what that what, limit what, is. Excuse um, the, um, excuse the uh, naive, naive question here, but what, what's a, a, a gust lock? A gust lock, oh, right, I, thought, so, I thought you said gusset. Stop it. To, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Lane Street has mentioned the word low-hanging fruit, Pip. I don't know what that means. Anyway, uh, moving on. <laughs> a gust lock is uh, a, it's a lock on the door, so that when we push out the door, uh, it will lock open. Right. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. 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 So that, so that, uh, that Owen doesn't have to hang on to it for the entire okay, good. disembarkation embarkation <laughs> process. <laughs> well, that's now, of course, your doors are opening outwards, whereas my door is hinged at the bottom and goes whoosh, right down. So it just, right. Wouldn't, it, it it just wouldn't. Yeah, but it wouldn't open if there was a strong. Well, that's wind right. If it, was a, if it was a, you know, if it was a cross wind, then we'd be trapped inside. I right. suppose. How nice. Yeah. Yes. No, okay. I was just thinking that. Um, well, there was for, that. Um, wind, one of the more exciting experiences is probably when you open both of the forward doors in strong winds. <laughs> well, actually, that that um, not so much the forward doors, but the rear doors, because that's the one that they're the one that actually happens with. Um, we board uh, PRMs out of one side, and the 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 main passengers out of the other. And uh, yeah, I mean everything blows around. If if you have papers in the galley, if you yeah. have. 
tissue lying around or maybe you have um, like even bags and stuff they'll all fly out of the galley so everything has to be cleared away before we open both doors you can't beat a good bloke can you no, right yes good nope, nope. <laughs> another question now serious question okay serious you... question Wow. Yeah, serious question. Do you have anything that says you need to, in strong, strong winds, talking sort of 80 knots, do you have to fill up the aircraft with fuel overnight? Um, what? That's an engineering function. Wait. So once oh, we've see. parked the aeroplane, uh, our engineers will see to that sort of thing. So okay. um, particularly at places like Leeds where it does get very windy, um, we will uh, – well, in fact, the airport authority – um, request operators to park the aircraft into wind um, and then our engineers will arrange for fuel to be put on the aircraft okay. effectively as ballast so yeah to weight them down okay. a bit because exactly um, so, yeah. okay. concrete box and ropes don't look very good on airliners no. so no. you know it doesn't <laughs> set the right sort of tone but um, not, not the way forward but, uh, it yeah <laughs> they'll put fuel in it to, to, to weight it down because doesn't really matter about the size of the aeroplane if the wind's strong enough it, it will be moved you know it well, will they are, go flying they are by yeah. definition hideously aerodynamic aren't they i mean that that yeah, is absolutely. that is exactly so what they're, they're designed to do those yeah. things that stick out the side of the fuselage are designed to create lift funnily so enough yes enough wind over them yeah yeah even if they're stationary yes <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah so yeah yeah Pip raises a very good point. We don't actually, as a matter of routine, do it uh, ourselves as crew, but the engineers do, yeah. Okay. Wow. So moving on to the next story, uh, Matt. Yes, uh, This indeed. one is a special one for you. It is indeed. There's a story too, so it can mean one thing and one thing only. Uh, it's on the BT website, actually, this one, and uh, anybody who lives here, I mean, it's made national news here in the UK and mm. as well. Uh, obviously, it's a Ryanair story, and the headline is, uh, Ryanair has a new carry-on baggage policy, and people are not happy about it. Um, it, it if you've got a flight booked with Ryanair sh- soon we have some bad news the airline has announced that passengers will no longer be able to take two pieces of cabin luggage on board this doesn't mean that you can this doesn't mean you can start uh, cramming your handbag with uh, in cramming your handbag into your wheelie bag though the old policy allowed customers to carry on a normal cabin bag for example a wheelie case of 50 by 50 uh, so 50 by 40 by 20 centimetres, uh, plus a smaller bag, such as a handbag or a backpack, of 35 centimetres twen- by 20 centimetres by 20 centimetres. From the 1st of November, passengers will only be allowed one smaller bag on board, like a handbag or a small backpack. Oh, really? Unless, mm. unless... Yeah. There is an unless in this, isn't there? Keep going, Unless mate. Keep you going, pay mate. for the premium service. Okay, yeah. Any normal-sized wheelie cases will be placed in the hold free of charge as long as they only weigh 10 kilograms. So uh, if you want to bring two bags on board, you'll have to pay £5 for priority boarding at the time of booking. The budget airline wants to avoid boarding delays caused by the lack of overhead bin space. Uh, they said uh, people were abusing the previous policy by taking too much on board. Full planes simply don't have enough uh, space for everyone to put a wheelie bag in the overhead lockers the changes mean that you'll be able to check in one 10 kilogram or less bag for free and an additional hold luggage uh will be charged at 25 euros reduced from 35 uh, if purchased at the time of booking you'll be allowed heavier paid for check-in luggage though which will go from 15 to 20 kilograms um Basically, I mean that's the basic of the story. Obviously, it's been in, in the news here in the yeah, UK. Yeah, I've been watching this on the news. Um, it's uh, I, I, I it's upset a lot of people. To be fair, yeah, I think yeah. people a lot of people use Ryanair, and a lot of people are used to carrying on their wheelie cases plus mm. a, another bag or yeah. a handbag, kitchen sink. Kitchen si- yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know someone who's quite happy about this. Do yeah, you? do you? 
That guy there. That guy there. Look at him smiling. Yeah. He thinks this is a brilliant idea. Okay. I think. Yes. I dare say all cabin Ryan crew. Cabin crew. Yeah. It is going to be an absolutely fantastic change. Yeah. Well, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, though, because I would have thought for their crew, they are going to be personally delighted because they're not having to do battle with trying yeah. to get all of the bags you know, into the hat bins mm. and then offloading bags. But, of course, they're also going to be at the front of everybody's frustration about the new policy. So, you know, it's, it's a bit of a double-edged sword, I would have thought, for them. Cause well, they're generally be... speaking, just in, uh, in terms of other changes that have happened in my airlines, uh, other policy changes, when policy changes do happen, quite often there is quite a lot of backlash for the first month or two. And then after that, it sort of, sort of subsides. So I don't think it will be too bad once you get into the new year. Um, no, and it's not so bad for your airline, for, but for Ryanair, who seems to change Ryanair, their policy yeah. on a on a on, on a, a near monthly a daily basis. basis? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, indeed. I mean, it, it, yeah. all it does is really. Uh, I mean, I understand the reasons as to why they're doing it because it is a uh, a problem the world over with with hand baggage on yeah. aircraft. Um, but the problem that, that Ryanair are creating for themselves now is that no one knows what their policy is because yeah. it has changed so often. So often, yeah. And, and, you know, it is, you know, one of those things that if you just keep changing it, you create mm -hmm. problems because yeah. people are genuinely confused. They're not mm -hmm. trying to be difficult yeah. or awkward. Yeah. And it's going to be interesting to see how, you know, draconian Ryanair will be with their, you know, their fines, stroke punishments for mm -hmm. failing to adhere to the policy. Um, I'm going to be a little policy bit. Policy is continually changing. I, I'm going to be a little bit controversial here and actually say. Really? That I, I know. I was. I was genuinely very surprised when they allowed more than one item in the cabin in the first place. Uh, mm. I never really understood why that policy. Because I, I mean, I remember when uh, you know when you, when people were flying a lot and it was always literally one piece of hand luggage. And it, it, I, yeah. I for many years it was like that, and it was less of a problem. Uh, and I was always surprised when the policy was changed in the first place, um, you know. But uh, perhaps, um, all right, I'm, I'm in the minority. I will say, I will say <laughs> this: it's uh, it might be might have good safety implications should a Ryanair aircraft ever need to evacuate, mm. um, because there will be less bags in the cabin. Right. The bags that are in the cabin will be smaller. Yeah, and if people continue with the absolutely ridiculous and completely unsafe notion of taking everything that they have with them yes. during yes. an evacuation <laughs> if it's in the um, hold they can't do that yes absolutely yes it, it'll take up less space and yeah. hopefully <laughs> speed up the evacuation yeah true that is a good point Obviously, the pilots don't have to worry about it because they've got loads of room to put their bags. Well, absolutely, quite right. It's got well, certainly on the Airbus, yeah. We've, yeah. we've got a wardrobe <laughs> in the flight deck, so... Have I'm, you? I'm not exactly sure that the same could be said of Actually, any of the as aircraft. on that subject, oh, being dear. being a, a, a captain at Royal Jet and obviously, Pip, you are having your own personal private jet to fly around the world in, <laughs> are, are, you, are you guys limited to the amount of weight that you can take on? I mean, Al, you know, do you have like a 20 kilo limit for your, if you take a suitcase or whatever? Oh, or do you not take you suitcase? I suggest that I'm 20 kilos. I'm well, a little bit heavier than <laughs> that, to be honest. <laughs> oh, gosh. <clears throat> I've yes. got my medical Soon, but I haven't taken the diet to that level of extremity. <laughs> but, uh, but are you guys limited to how much luggage you can take on board the aircraft? Do, is there yeah. a limit for, for pilots? No. There's no limit, really. Uh, certainly as crew on my airline, there, there is no limit. The, the, the cabin bags must fit within the allocated um, sections for 
the crew bags, but other than that, there's no weight limit or no size limit. Do, do or some some cabin crew bring the kitchen sink as well. It's right. quite daft. <laughs> what home with them? Yeah, yeah. Well, there is that. Yeah. <laughs> do, you, do you have to? Ha- do you uh, have one to- of my colleagues some years ago managed to get a ride on lawnmower into the hold and brought that back. So. <laughs> That's wow. impressive. That, that, that is impressive. That is award-winning. Uh, it... that, that is that's a fair amount of checked-in baggage, to be sure. <laughs> well, yes, indeed, yes. That that is that is a, a new new level. I assume, though, uh, all jokes aside, obviously, because flying, from what little I know about it, obviously, is very much weight uh, dependent. I mean, I presume your your what you're bringing on board is weighed. No, no. Okay, good. Right, uh, moving on to the <laughs> next story then, and uh, I think Captain this Al. one is with Captain yeah, Al. Yeah, Captain so. Al, this is your story. Yeah. So, uh, uh, and I've not got my reading glasses, so I might, I might have to do a bit of in and out here, <laughs> okay, right. as it were. Um, so, Thomas Cook pilots go on strike over pay, and this comes from uh, news.sky.com. So, that would be Sky News then. That, w- that would be Sky News, yes, yeah. Mm. Right, okay. <laughs> So, Thomas Cook pilots have launched a 12-hour strike in a dispute over pay, forcing the leisure airline, or leisure if you're viewing and listening in the United States, to reschedule some flights. The industrial action by members of the British Airline Pilots Association, BALPA, got underway at 3am after demands for a pay rise were not met by the leisure airline. Thomas Cook said it offered pilots a 4% pay rise over two years in addition to automatic annual increases. The union is seeking much more than that and wants a one-year deal to be in excess of the retail price index inflation rate, which came in at 3.6% in July, and to include various other components of pilot remuneration. It is the first strike by UK pilots since 1974, the union said, adding three further strikes would take place on the 23rd and 29th of September, plus one on the 6th of October, if the dispute was not resolved. Balpa said its members voted heavily in favour of Friday's walkout, extremely reluctantly in protest at year-on-year real-term pay cuts and cuts to terms and conditions. They welcomed the news that many flights are expected to operate as usual during the 12-hour strike, but they said the company want to, uh, but they say they want the company to understand just how resolute pilots are and how frustrated they are with the company's uncompromising stance. General Secretary Brian Strutton added, going on strike is not something pilots take lightly. Valpa members have been on strike since, haven't been on strike since 1974, but with no sensible pay offer on the table, Thomas Cook's pilots had no other option. The time has come for Thomas Cook to understand the depth of feeling on this issue, listen to its pilots and come forward with a reasonable offer that they can accept. The union added it remains committed to finding a solution to the dispute. Thomas Cook said it was disappointed Balpa had announced further strikes, with a spokesman saying, we have set out a fair pay increase of 1.75% in year one and 2.25% in year two, on top of automatic pay increases in what is a very competitive environment. Balpa have not moved from their demands for a pay rise which adds up to more than 10% or around £10,000 per pilot. We hope Alpha come back to the table willing to negotiate. We are grateful to our customers for their understanding and to our pilots for flying today, as well as staff who are working hard to keep the impact of this strike to a minimum. All of our flights so far today have operated without disruption. I mean, it's uh, it's 
it's a, a very very rare thing isn't it from what they were saying i mean the, the, the strikes are genuinely a, a rare a rare thing when it comes to pilots and and did you say in the story there it's the first one in in how many years uh, since 1974 in the UK, wow. I, I think what I think the thing is a lot of people, most people that I speak to and stuff, members of the public, and that generally tend to think that all pilots are paid hundreds sort of and hundreds well, of thousands of yeah. pounds a year, mm. and that, as probably Alan Pip will tell you, that's not that's simply true. not true. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean in in real terms, pilots' pay hasn't kept track with uh, other professions or indeed you know inflation. So um, as the pressure on airlines has become greater as, as, as aviation has become more accessible. We, you know, as a pilot community, um, you know, certainly have not uh, received the remuneration that would be deemed by many as appropriate. I mean, I guess, I guess the only thing I would say on the flip side to that is that, I mean, pilots aren't the only people experiencing what I can describe as pay freezes in their particular industry. I mean, it's the same, uh, you know, people who work for the NHS, people who work uh, in all sorts of places, you know, uh, bus drivers and everyone. I mean, the, the, these businesses at the moment aren't able to keep up with the, the rate of inflation and things because it's just, you know, the money isn't there. Well, yes, well, I would agree to a part, but of course, um, many of these airlines are, you know, making millions, if not billions of pounds of profit. Well, there is that, yeah. So, yes, I can, you know, I mean, the NHS is a separate entity, you know, that's okay. a, a government entity and, yeah. uh, you know, isn't run, strictly speaking, as a, as a business. Um, I understand your uh, connections with the, the coach industry, but I would imagine that there aren't many coach operators who are turning multi-billion pound profits. No, year no, year. fair point, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, um, that's fair So point. it's... Uh, it's seeking fair remuneration. There isn't a single uh, pilot in the UK who wishes to see the demise of the airline that they work for. I can, no. you know, assure you of that. But equally, um, you know, they, they want to be uh, remunerated appropriately. Yeah, that's a fair point. I, I, you know, I mean, perhaps you could argue also cabin crew uh, fit into a similar sort of bracket. Mm. You know, I mean, I, they're, uh, there they're... is there is the other thing about cabin crew that, that and that it takes far more cabin crew to run an airline than it does pilots to increase our pay by X percent and, and is is a much more expensive thing to do than to increase yeah. the pilots pay by. I, I tell you what it is, Matt, with yeah. all due respect to bus drivers and yeah. cabin crew and whoever else, it's market forces, supply and demand. Right now, yeah. pilots are in demand. Bus drivers and cabin crew are not. And, yeah. uh, you know, if something's in demand, then you, you pay more for it. Yeah. Uh, and, uh, you know, that's one thing. And on the other side, cabin crew and pilots, uh, terms and conditions and airline staff generally their T's and C's have been eroded mm -hmm. and cut back for years and years and years. And these bean counters who run the airlines, who want yeah. to, you know, shave the, just a pound off their fares so they yeah. appear yeah. further up the rankings, they're the ones reaping the profits because they'll hit their targets and they'll get a, a six, seven-figure bonus mm. at the expense I, you of could the definitely doing the hard work. Yeah. You can definitely see the difference between the people who have contracts from 10 years ago and from people who have contracts beginning, mm. say, this year. Um, we had both pilots and cabin crew and really right across the board. Uh, those people who have been in uh, any company, you know, 10, 12 yeah. years are on a completely different contract. It looks like jo a different airline. Jordan Rose in the chat room here has actually come up with a Very fairly interesting point, point here. He says, may point. maybe they should pay the CEOs a little less and the pilots a little more. Just saying. Mm. Uh, yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's a very simple solution, isn't it? <laughs> uh, you know, the, the airline industry here in the UK and Europe generally, 
it's just you know when you're on the inside watching what's been happening it really is beginning to hit rock bottom and now as i say we're in a different position because we're as the staff we're now in demand and we've got a much stronger bargaining hand um so you know it's market forces dictate that things should pick up for us yeah and the same uh, the same can be said of uh, cabin crew as well i mean there is a demand yeah. for cabin crew right now at, mm. um at the moment uh, norwegian are hiring easyjet are hiring uh, ryanair are hiring mm. um who these else are, all predom- are hiring i mean the, the, only, yeah. the only thing i'd say against that is though because these are all low-cost airlines aren't they i mean this is the it's those that tend to be looking for Thomas cabin crew. And is it child, possibly but... because you've got a much higher turnover of staff with these low-cost airlines, which is why they're not hanging... You know, it's because the terms and conditions are so poor that they aren't sticking around. Well, I mean, you have to remember that uh, the British Airways cabin crew are still in dispute at the moment. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so it's not just uh, what some people might you know, perceive to be, the, the, the low-cost airlines that are eroding terms and conditions it's your flag carriers as well i mean mm. the 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 dispute between uh, mixed fleet cabin crew and, and bea is it's you know quite sort of widely known now and uh, you know if the figures that are banded around with regards to salaries are to be believed then um, um i'm not so surprised that the cabin crew mm. are, are striking for better terms and conditions yeah anyway it's a subject yeah. we could go on gone go on about for sort of ages and ages and ages there's no two ways about that and there, there is obviously no easy solution to this but uh, let's hope for thomas cook's sake that they get it sort of resolved mm. as soon as possible so we move on to the next story uh pip. this one is for you pip uh and uh, very appropriately it's the plane safety guy who's uh, covering a story on safety. Um, on safety so mm. uh, perhaps we could uh, throw this uh, at you please sir uh, this is about a Japanese airline 737, no, no, 777, excuse me. Uh, a JAL Japanese Airlines Boeing 777-300 performing a flight from uh, Tokyo Haneda to uh, JFK New York with 233 passengers and 15 crew was in the initial climb out from runway 34 right when the left engine, a G90, emitted a series of five bangs and streaks of flames. Well, better out than in. Tower informed the crew about seeing flames out of the engine. The crew... I just want to know who counted. I mean, who was sat there and who had the presence of mind to count that it was five? Well, there, there is that, yes. <laughs> Tower informed the crew about seeing flames out of the engine. The crew, receiving abnormal indications from engine number one, stopped the climb at 6,000 feet shut the engine down, dumped fuel and returned back to Haneda for a safe landing on runway 34 left about one hour after departure. Okay, all very normal stuff. Metal debris was found on the departure runway. A replacement uh, 777 uh, is estimated to reach New York with a delay of six and a half hours. Fascinating. Uh, The airline initially suspected a bird strike, which is probably what uh, you were thinking and certainly what I was thinking as well. A bird strike, but... uh, uh, they dismissed that. I've lost my place in the story here. Hang on. Digga, 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 digga. Yes, uh, they expected a bird strike, but upon uh, inspection, they did not find any bird remains. A number of blades of the low-pressure uh, turbine were missing. Wow. On 7th September, Japan's TSB, that's their um, investigation board, I suppose, rated the incident type as, quote, things similar to breakage of the engine. That's weird. Okay, that's um, <laughs> very concise. Yeah. Yes. 
I suspect something got lost in the translation. In there, translation. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. so. Indeed. So basically, uh, this plane took off, it hit something or the engine did something funny, and then the crew followed their SOPs and nothing else of interest really happened. I suppose the only real interesting thing is whether any blades, you know, departed the engine and, uh, you know, hit the fuselage or anything like that. Cause yeah, I don't think world, they did. Yeah, in an ideal world, you want the, the blades to be contained because you don't want big lumps of metal flying around. Uh, no, but, no uh, that's not what one asks for, is it, uh, in, in, <laughs> in a flight? So it's, yes, it's and that's exactly what engines are designed to do, to, to contain. contain all the bits of uh, metal flying around, keep it inside. Unlike that, uh, the Qantas A380 that had, um, had a similar incident right. with the uncontained engine, and the blades did do a little bit of damage right, okay. to, uh, to the aircraft. Yeah. Oh dear. Absolutely, yeah. Okay, moving on to the next story then. Owen, this one from Flight Global is with you. As Matt said, this is from flightglobal.com and it says Hurricane Irma's extensively uh, extensively damages St. Martin's famed airport. Hurricane Irma has caused extensive damage to St. Martin's Princess Juliana International Airport, long uh, a popular spot among aviation fans for catching up close views of incoming aircraft according to reports hurricane irma is now moving west towards south florida leading carriers to preemptively cancel thousands of flights princess juliana airport was hit hard with what appeared to be sand washed up to parts of the main terminal and the building's roof was extensively damaged according to a report from the associated press flight global could not reach the airport by telephone and sev several caribbean airlines that serve st martin did not immediately respond to inquiries However, the Curacao-based thank you, thank you. However, Curacao-based Insel Air issued a travel update on the seventh of September, saying the airport is uh, still closed for operation. Insel Air has cancelled all flights to Saint Martin through at least eighth uh, of September due to enormous damage on the island. It says. Other airlines, including American Airlines, Delta Airlines, JetBlue Airways and KLM have also cancelled flights into Princess Juliana Airport. While little concrete information is available, St. Martin-based Winair Facebook page says our main offices have suffered major damage. We have no communication possibilities at this time as the 7th of September posting. Princess Juliana Airport sits in Dutch ter territory on a spit of land on the south west side of St. Martin. The island uh, lay directly in the path of Hurricane Irma, a Category 5 storm that had lashed parts of the Antilles island chain. Hurricane Irma packed maximum sustained winds of 160 knots or 298 kilometres uh, per hour as it approached St. Martin in the morning <laughs> of the 6th of September according to the US National Hurricane Centre. Who's this guy? Uh -oh. <laughs> is he on the toilet is jeff on the toilet in that picture <laughs> yes i burst in on him uh, right this um, picture what, what in in all seriousness though <laughs> guys i saw some updated pictures and video online this morning which was taken by a um helicopter news helicopter yeah and um, they done a, like a uh, a cover with like a picture of the airport, like last week, yeah. and a picture of the airport this now. Week, yeah. And 
yeah, I'd be surprised if this airport is shut for quite some time because yeah. the uh, mm. the runway you could only make out probably about a two hundred feet of runway. Really, um, most of the taxiways were covered with sand, mm. and the airport terminal building did not look very good at all. So it was yeah. uh, it was not it was not looking good at all. I reckon it will be up and running within a week. Really? Yep. Wow. That's yep. some. But the, the, the Dutch um, will have that airport up and running within a week. I, I'll, uh, I'll uh, wager £25 to a charity of your choice that they're operating flights within a week. A week from today. Time. A week yeah. from today. You okay. heard it here then, guys and girls okay. in the chat room. Yeah. So, uh, yes. Yeah, so Name the charity. We'll be back next week with we'll see yes, who uh, wins that best. Indeed. Absolutely. So moving on to the next story, and this one is for me on the newsminute.com website and uh, this is uh, probably a good good news for Jet2 and um, any other low-cost carrier I think around the UK. Government directs airlines to create no-fly lists for unruly passengers. Three categories define unruly behaviour. Level 1, verbal. Level 2, physical behaviour. And level 3, life-threatening behaviour. Stepping up action against unruly passengers, the Civil Aviation uh, Ministry on Friday issued categories for airlines to create a no-fly list and ban on those named ranging from the three months to two years. India is the first country to put such a list uh, into operation. The no-fly list is to ensure safety and check disruptions. It will safeguard the interests of passengers, airlines, cabin crew, the union minister, Jant Sinha, told reporters in the New Delhi press briefing. For every uh, subsequent offence, the ban will be twice the period of the previous ban. The other airlines, however, will have uh, not be uh, bound to the no-fly list of an airline. Uh, the three categories defined, uh, as I said, uh, unruly behaviour, level one, unruly behaviour, verbal, level two, and physical with number three. Such unruly behaviour will be probed through an internal committee set up by the airline under the chairmanship of a retired district and C- uh, sessions judge and members from different scheduled uh, airlines and passengers. Uh, Association Consumer uh, Association Retired Officer of Consumer Dispute uh, Redressal Forum, a a statement for the uh, Civil Aviation Ministry, said uh, the internal committee will have to decide the matter within 30 days along with the duration of the ban on any unruly passenger. And during that period, the airline concerned may impose a ban on the passenger. The no-fly list of such unruly passengers will be provided by the airlines and will be available on the Directorate General of Civil Aviation website. The no-fly list will have uh, two components, unruly passengers banned for a period varying from three months to more than two years based upon level of unruly behaviour and for those persons perceived to be a national security risk by the Ministry of Home Affairs, it said. Hmm. Well, we, we, I mean, that's in India. They mm. need to bring that in, uh, in we, the we, UK. I I'll tell you what, we're going we're gonna to sort of press straight on because we're, we're going to talk about this, uh, I think, uh, after we finish the next story because the next story actually um, sort of leads on rather nicely mm. to this. Uh, and this is on the independent.co.uk website. And the headline is Ryanair passengers witness mid-air brawl on flight from Newcastle to Alicante. Uh, a mid-air brawl broke out on a Ryanair flight from Newcastle to Alicante, terrifying fellow travellers. Mobile phone footage of the incident which took place on Thursday shows the passengers fighting across rows of seats. A man and a woman appear to have initially involved, been involved in an argument before a third woman attempts to throw a punch. 
gasps are audible from the uh, cabin as the situation became quite physical. The fight took place just prior to the aircraft landing. Lucy Norris of Blythe Northumberland recorded the fracas and said that the woman responsible for fighting was very drunk. Speaking to the Chronicle live, she said I was. it, it was just as we were about to land when the woman started kicking off. She was shouting, screaming and making a show of herself. Uh, she had been rude to a few people on the flight and I think uh, she was uh, very, very drunk the police uh, were made aware and we thought that uh, we were going to come uh, they were going to come on and drag her off but it didn't happen they were waiting there as we got off the aircraft left newcastle at 10:55 a.m. so she was drunk by 10:55 a.m. in the morning and ryanair has stated that the incident illustrates the need for controls on of alcohol consumption at the airports now i know i won't go into de- too much detail uh, on this story obviously but um, yeah it's uh, it's a it's uh, sort of leading on from the story that Carlos was talking about a moment ago and I, I do think it's it's getting a little bit beyond a joke and I know I said this last week but it is the minority spoiling it for the majority again but um, we are sort of reaching this point now where they are going to have to restrict you know do you what, know what this um, is it's, it's pub behaviour on a plane well there is well, that it is though isn't yeah, it, it, it is, it is. Yeah, it's no, pub behaviour on a plane yeah. no I'll give you that <laughs> yeah but it, it, it becomes that. quite a lot more serious when you're in a metal tube at yeah, 38,000 feet mm, uh, playing um, the video now if anyone's watching on you YouTube. can't kick them yeah. out of the aircraft yeah <laughs> although you'd probably like to yeah. yeah yeah rather unfortunately there should be like one of those airlocks that you see on used mm. to see on the DS9, you know, yeah, Star Trek absolutely. DS9. You could put someone in an airlock, press the button, psh, yeah. they're gone. Yeah, no. This is this is true. It's 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 just not funny, really, is it? I mean, it's uh, and and this is the thing. And I know we, I know we we go over this again and again. But one of the things that really bugs me with stories like this is obviously, as you say, it's the whole airport safety thing. I mean, we're watching the video now. There's this big brawl. Uh, if you're listening to the audio podcast, make sure you look it up. It is on, all over the place. Go to the independent website, uh, it, the independent uh, UK news website. It's all kicking off there. And the trouble, my my issue with this is. Uh, you know, I mean, it's it's people like Owen uh, who have to deal with this. I mean, and I don't mean to be uh, unkind to the pilots here, but obviously you guys can't leave the cockpit when you're in no. the air, can you? I mean, that's just... Absolutely correct. Absolutely yeah, we, we, not... We wouldn't leave the cockpit no. for... Uh, for know, something like this, yeah, absolutely. So it really is. You and know, the cabin crew would make sure of that. <laughs> well, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it's um, but it's it's people like Owen that have got to deal with these, frankly, morons. And I'm sure I'm not speaking out of turn when I say that. I think bands would be a really good idea. This, you know, this, if they do do these bands, this mm. lot of system. If they do, but put some place in the UK. Going back to the story that you were talking mm. about, which is why I led on f- from this. I mean, but the, the thing that worries me with this is how do you enforce it? It's a brilliant, brilliant idea. Idea, mm. But how on earth are you going to enforce a massive no-fly? Well, they're on about having a database where yeah, airlines I know, that's can great, go on. But and if, if they can't get like passport databases to link up and talk to each oh, other yeah. comfortably, how are you going to get <laughs> one universal database that everybody can look up all their? You know, they, I doubt there's a computer system in the world that could sort of link all these together and actually look. At, I mean, it's just. But they've got to do something now, haven't they? Because it's not. I mean, week after week now, we're we're running stories of this nature where it's all absolutely. I mean, it's just, they've got to do something about it now. It's just, I mean, it was never funny in the first place, but it, it's definitely beyond a joke now. Mm. You know. Absolutely. I mean, unfortunately, um, and you've, you've hit the, the nail very much on the, on the head with regards to the, the technology side of things. But, you know, at the moment, we also have, you know, this whole issue of, you know, breaching people's human rights. Yeah. You know, and... Mm. Uh, I'm uh, afraid that it's not a particular 
strategy or line of challenge that I have subscribed to. You know, you 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 have to earn your human rights in my book, Agreed. but that's yeah. a separate argument for another time. Yeah. Um, but administering this across, you know, multiple different airlines. airlines yeah. You know, if you say right, okay, well, Worldwide. is it only UK registered airlines who have access to the database? Yeah. Well, that that would rule out Ryanair because they're an Irish registered airline yeah. who operate a lot of their flights out of the UK. So then you're into, right, okay, well, this is a, is this becomes, you know, a trans-European database or a worldwide database. Well, who's responsible for the validity of the data on mm. it? Who's going to administer it? Who's going to pay for it? Mm. And these are all of the arguments that I suspect that the airlines have had over the years mm. because there isn't a single airline who wants these kind of passengers. You know, it... it costs the airlines usually large amounts of money to deal with these people mm. one way or another they try to recover the cost but that's you know you can't get blood out of a stone so mm. um so they would dearly love some sort of system but who's going to set it up who's going to run it who's going to pay for it we really don't know mm. matty fab makes I, a good point in the chat great she chance. said if yeah. uh, if you get convicted of violence in the air they should yeah. destroy your passport yeah. preferably whilst they're still abroad so they can't return mm. home uh, some great uh, some <laughs> some further comments that are absolutely great as well uh tony s has sort of said i bet pips passengers aren't like this uh <laughs> i'm sure they're quite well behaved in comparison to to to, to this sort of thing uh richard king great point um where he says simple just dr you know just limit the drinking but again um liz piper she says that uh, too much money involved unfortunately so again they're probably unlikely to do that um as i say again tony s saying uh, stop selling alcohol in the airports it's very simple it's um you know no, i'm afraid that alcohol isn't mm. isn't strictly speaking the issue it's people's no. ability to have be self-disciplined yeah you know yeah. that's it absolutely you know yeah, you know there are airlines who have you know passengers who get on board who are heavily under the influence mm. of drugs. There aren't many airports that sell drugs of that nature, no. so it's not <laughs> you can't necessarily yeah. level it at, at the airports per no. se. When I go to Luton, it has a morale. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, indeed. Uh, Lane Street's actually said uh, Lane Street's got a great idea, but I, I mean, again, I just don't think you could police it. I mean, it's a blower breathalyzer prior to boarding, but I mean, that's going to cost a fortune to implement the system like that, isn't it? It's just and, and, and of course, you, you then run. run you know, playing devil's advocate here, what happens mm. about the false positives? Yep, absolutely. Yeah. You know, so you you, mm. um, you rinse your mouth out with Listerine mm. mouthwash before coming to the airport. You know, other mouthwashes yeah. are available. Yeah. But there's alcohol in that and, and you get mm. a false positive, so you can't fly. Yeah. Yeah, Barbara's made an interesting point, actually, uh, where she's sort of saying that um, uh, it makes it all worse when passengers get involved. And I don't know how, um, obviously, we've only got one member of cabin crew here, um, but you're saying that it actually makes it all worse when uh, passengers get involved. Leave it to the cabin crew to sort it out, unless they ask you for help. Does that, does that fit with um, what... Uh, I mean, I know yeah, Barbara's I mean, obviously I mean, got experience I, in, in, in cabin crew. Uh, most cabin crew would agree that unless you have... Uh, particular experience with dealing with this sort of um, this sort of behavior or this sort of incident, whether it be a medical incident or a disruptive passenger incident. Mm. Perhaps you're a member of the police force or uh, defense forces. Maybe um, mm. you're, you work in uh, maybe the prison system, some yeah. things like oh, that. Oh, I see. Yeah, well, Unless you well, have those sorts of experiences. Yeah. Um, then yeah. I would say leave it to the cabin crew to sort out. And if yeah. you do have those sort of experiences, 
say it to the cabin crew mm. first before you step in. And I yeah, think that's, indeed. Uh, t- um, t- Tony again is uh, is making a, uh, or, or asking the question or, or saying in the chat room here why should airports be exempt from licensing laws? And uh, somebody was actually saying uh, how are how is it that airports are exempt, Tony? And actually, my understanding is that they do have um, they they don't necessarily have a closing time as such in airports. Um, I don't know if I'm I'm speaking out of turn there. I mean. Uh, I think it's something to do with international borders. Right. Yeah. Um, but but, I, but I think it has something yeah. to do with borders. Mm. Yeah, and it's basically you know that, that that's the point that they're making, saying you can literally buy alcohol twenty four hours a day. And I mean, I I am the first to admit that I have sat in a Weatherspoons in uh, Stansted Airport and enjoyed a pint of cider at six a.m. Uh, that's how I got on my flight. But we won't talk about that and, uh, <laughs> when I went to Toulouse. Uh, but, uh, I, I think another thing too, though, is that it's not only. Um, it's not only people who are under the influence of alcohol, albeit it does happen way more often when alcohol is involved. There are also other times where people get so uh, incredibly yeah. stressed at the uh, with the experience of flying yeah. uh, and the experience of traveling through the airport and um, that they they become violent and that, yeah. that's that's the way they cope with it well um, i mean let, let's be honest we could talk about this uh, for for days and days and days and i dare say it won't be long before we have a similar story that raises its ugly head and and, and it's a subject for conversation again but uh, i mm. think we should probably move on yes yeah, so moving on next story and uh, this one is for you captain al this comes from uh, avgeekery.com if i've got the right website Correct. Yeah. It, yeah can't say it but at least i've got the right one <laughs> Uh, United firms at Boeing 777-200 replacement plan with Airbus A350-900. What a smart move by the United <laughs> people. Oh, ooh, uh, ooh, uh, misses. Yes, <laughs> brace yourselves, everyone. Um, United <laughs> announced an order for 45 new Airbus A350-900 XWB aircraft, overriding an original order for the slightly larger Airbus A350-100 XWBs. Uh, United Airlines was the launch customer for the Boeing 777 back in 1995. At the time, it was the most efficient airliner ever built. The aircraft featured giant Pratt & Whitney engines with a diameter similar to a Boeing 737 cabin. The Boeing twin jet could easily fly United's trunk routes between Chicago and Tokyo and London. It was the perfect replacement for the aging Douglas DC-10 fleet and it augmented the flagship Boeing 747-400 as well. Much has changed since 1995 for United. The airline has undergone a bankruptcy. It undertook a merger with Continental and had its fair share of very public customer service struggles. As the airline looks to the future, it is in the process of retiring the Boeing 747 fleet It began accepting delivery of the larger Boeing 777-300ER to the fleet last year uh, as a near one one replacement for an ageing Boeing 747. United also has a large and still growing fleet of 787 Dreamliners that allow the airline to open up new markets between mid-sized international cities. With amenities of the larger wide bodies and long legs, but efficiency of a mid-sized jet, the Boeing 787 now fits a critical role in their business plan of direct flights to markets traditionally served through connections. Flights between Singapore and San Francisco open up new opportunities for United. 
The Boeing 787-8 and 90s, uh, I've lost the will to live with this. Basically, United are getting rid of their old aeroplanes and they're buying new aeroplanes. That's the summary of the story. Fair enough. Could yeah, you? okay. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But they are rare, Barcel. Come on, you must be you must be happy for yeah, them. Yeah, but I mean, the, 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 you, you've sold me a dummy here because you, you've, you've given me, you know, like, Airbus sales story, but the whole article is about the flipping... Boeing 777-9-10. The rest of it goes on about seats. <laughs> <laughs> enough, so, enough. Moving, <laughs> us, okay. moving swiftly on. Okay, yes, Pip, indeed. have you got the next story ready to read? I sure have. Yay! Go on, MP. That's a first. Yeah, absolutely. Can we? This is a momentous day, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> right, so this excited. is um, yeah. another. He's got an operative under that desk working for him. <laughs> oh, hello. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> so, Pip. Yes. Uh, revealed the cheapest airlines for your favourite holiday destinations. And this is from the telegraph.co.uk. Budget carriers are expanding their networks to fly passengers further than ever before, but do they always offer the cheapest fares? Dun, dun, dun. Okay, good. In short, no. <laughs> New routes to long-haul destinations, including San Francisco and New York, for example, hit the headlines recently with their low lead-in prices, uh, but with fares constantly changing, the most attractive tickets can be hard to track down on the dates required. Are these tickets with short skirts? Right, right uh, moving on. Uh, <laughs> family show, ladies and Re- gentlemen. Family show. <laughs> Research conducted by the flight comparison site Skyscanner for Telegraph Travel and Witch Magazine found that low-cost airlines really are challenging traditional long-haul carriers on price. Another... Uh, breaking news story. Okay. Uh, we took 20 popular routes where budget carriers are attempting to undercut their rivals and took an average of the fair price for a return journey across the whole of last year based on search results supplied by Skyscanner. And they've got a pretty table here with uh, a dozen or so destinations. Yeah, we've got Berlin, Ryanair, Paris, also, the cheapest yeah. for most of them, along with Norwegian. Uh, more Ryanair, Ukraine International, WestJet. Uh, so all budget airlines. Thompson okay. ain't made it onto the list. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, for Palma de Mallorca. Yeah. Are we calling Thompson a budget airline? Mm. Mm. Well, I suppose so. I mean, the same way that, that since remodelling, perhaps one should say the same same thing about Monarch. You know, it's like a lot of them are sort of tending well, to push themselves down this sort of low-budget model, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, well, tell, tell me an airline that's not a budget airline. Well, I'm going to that, to be honest, because, uh, I mean, just about every airline charges you for a bag. You know, you They're want a meal. They're all budget airlines. Yeah. They're all oh, you want, you want to sit by your wife? Oh, yeah, that's extra. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, fair point. Anyway. <laughs> you, you don't want your child sat to some random person 36 rows behind you? That'll be extra. Okay, good. Right. <laughs> anyway, uh, the routes were a mix of services starting in either London or Edinburgh. Uh, the results showed that the biggest average saving travellers could have could have made was £252 on a flight from London to Mauritius, flying with Thompson Airways. Uh, the average price for this route was £762 in 2016, but Thompson sold return fares for an average of £510. That's cheap. Oh. In fact, Thompson, according to Skyscanner figures was the provider of the cheapest flights to a number of key winter mm. sun destinations. 
Well, uh, this story goes on, and it sort of rather contradicts the headline, which I think was saying uh, budget airlines are not necessarily always the cheapest option. Mm. Yet, paragraph after paragraph after paragraph of this story uh, is saying that, that is. they are the cheapest option. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So it's a rather so, silly story, all in all. Breaking okay. news. Yeah, yeah. Budget airlines are cheap. Yes. Who yeah, okay. <laughs> knew? Yeah, there, there's, there's shocking information for us all. Right. So the next breaking news is customer needs to engage brain when buying anything. Right. <laughs> Some people will sell you it for more than other people. Really? It is your choice. Okay, good. Uh, <laughs> thanks, Al. Always appreciated. Well, uh, I mean, that, 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 that's the response of it, isn't it? it mean, yeah, you, pretty you, much. You, yep. it, yeah. <laughs> if you want to find the cheapest price, you've got to do some work. Well, that's true. It's uh, yes. So uh, anyway, we're going to move on now, and it's time to give the next story, please, to Owen. <laughs> uh, next story is from InsiderMedia.com, and it says lift off for. Uh, uh, why do I always get the? <laughs> Come on, Owen. Yeah, we were all prepared. Uh, we had our stories ready. <laughs> Let you see the down, you let the audience the, down. Just all you got to do, Aaron. All you got to do, Aaron. Professional man. All you got to do is break it down, Aaron. Yeah. Lift off yeah. uh, for idea it, the, games. The thing is, is, you have to just bear in mind, obviously, that by the time Owen's finished editing this, it'll be completely seamless because he's the one that's doing the editing at the moment, <laughs> yeah, yeah. and he'll leave all, all our gaffes in, and fine. then just his yeah. will be absolutely fine. There's no two. No he'll just cut this story out, won't he? And well, he'll save yeah. himself the yeah. pain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Anyway, uh, this says uh, lift off for idea gen. <laughs> right, okay. <clears throat> lift off uh, for idea gen's airline safety deal. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> wow, this is a very weird day when when Carlos is the one offering pronunciation advice. It's yeah. it's a very weird day. <laughs> should we do a sentence each? Is that? Yeah, how I, I think we should. Story? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Lion Air Group, the largest private airline carrier in, in Indonesia, Indonesia <laughs> is to enhance its aviation <laughs> safety, safety management with software from Nottinghamshire-based IdeaGen. IdeaGen Corrosion, the company's enterprise cloud-based software, will be used as an organisation-wide safety reporting and risk management solution. The software will provide Lion Air Group with safety performance oversight, delivering detailed performance data to quickly highlight potential safety weaknesses and risks such as those linked to pilot fatigue or incidents. Corrosion will replace an older system, helping to strengthen the airline's safety through functionalities such as smart forms, geotagging, and a mobile app for detailed reporting. Jose Fernandez. Top Group safety and quality. <laughs> Top chat. Never had a bird wise said against him. Anyway. Salt of the earth kind of bloke, really. Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the group safety and quality director, and he said, "Idea Gen Corson will um, be our dedicated safety, quality, risk, and reporting solution, and it will provide us with excellent functionality to enhance a number of areas within the organisation, particularly our safety reporting and risk management systems." <laughs> Our current system offers no easy way to gauge safety performance across any of our affiliates, resulting in difficulties when trying to assess overall airline performance. Corrosion will change this. We are we particularly are. excited to be working with IdeaGen and Corrosion Software, which will provide us with a central software solution for safety, risk and reporting, and allow us to strengthen safety foundations ahead of planned future growth. 
Based in Jakarta, Lion Air Group flies to more than 183 routes across all corners of Indonesia, from Sabang to Meraku. Meru, uh, Merak. Yeah, that's why I didn't read that paragraph. <laughs> <laughs> I really should read ahead, shouldn't yeah. I? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Nobody has time for this. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, the, the long and the story, the, the long and the short of it is, nobody has any idea because we mucks about through that entire story what on earth it's terrible. all about. So, if anybody has a summary, uh, I would be eternally um, grateful. Well, Pip, Pip should know everything about it. I can actually summarise this because this is a reporting system that we use at work. Okay. And um, this. Uh, basically is saying that Lion Air Group is going to use this Nottinghamshire-based uh, software. Okay. And it's a, it's cloud software. Uh, like, you'll be able to put it on an app onto um, uh, electronic flight bags for uh, uh, pilots. Um, if cabin crew have them, they'll be able to put an app on those as well. Um, the smart forms part of it means that if you type in a flight number, all of the Crew members will uh, appear on the on the form. All of the um, details, such as passenger loads, uh, times, destinations, all of that sort of information, will be instantly available, wow. and uh, hopefully makes the the reports a little mm. bit easier. I'm not too sure safer, but they're definitely easier and uh, more accurate. So, I mean, the, the long and the short of it is actually more something for what I call like, like the back office, if you like. It's a, it's a useful function for yes. them, essentially. So. I would say well, this the... is an example of a, a, an SMS, a safety management system, which all uh, airlines have to have them, or at least in Europe anyway, uh, they're mandated to have. And I'm sure it's got lots of uh, little uh, functionalities that will useful for, for the front-end people, pilots and cabin crew. Mm. Uh, but this is really a, a management tool yeah. for the safety departments. They can uh, analyze their processes, their SOPs. They can identify um, causes and effects. Uh, they can use it for, as it said here, for fatigue um, management, mm. uh, all kinds of stuff. You know, I'm sure there's one at uh, uh, Royal Jet. Uh, um, Absolutely. Well, as, yeah. as you've said, it's a, it's a mandated requirement yeah. in Europe yeah. to have a safety. I'm system. vaguely familiar with the one that we've got. I mean, it's just huge. This, you know, you could spend the rest of your life looking at it. It covers all yeah. sorts of of areas. Um, but interestingly, I don't know if you guys have heard of the uh, Lion Air Group, but they have an appalling safety record. Oh, really? Absolutely. <laughs> oh, just a nightmare. So it's uh, a good news story in a way that they're mm. uh, obviously Taking safety keen seriously to take steps yeah. to, to be seen to be more compliant. <laughs> okay. Uh, and that's yeah. the key word there, compliance. Okay. All so right. moving next on to the uh, next story. This so one that was a good story in then, wasn't it? It was in the end, yes. It we was, was. Yeah. up about yeah. that and everything. Yeah. Well yeah. done. Yeah. 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 And of course, it's a good British I love company, so we're, we're delighted with exports. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, well, absolutely. yeah, yeah definitely. Quite, quite, yeah, yeah. I mean, the software works really, really well uh, when it works. Uh, our uh, airline hasn't managed to integrate it um, incredibly well. Okay, and you, you can see all of the functionality ready to be to be uh, to be used. But okay. in uh, in my case, I spend roughly forty five minutes per report going through just drop down menus. Um, no. Every wow. single box that contains sounds, a drop-down menu. Rough. Uh, um, <laughs> okay, which oh, is not exactly the nicest no. thing in the world. But no. there you go. And what's that for, Owen? For your your 
kind of uh, incident reporting system. Yes. So if yeah, you're yeah. submitting a safety report, for instance. Yes. Yeah. Uh, safety mm -hmm. reports, uh, medical reports, fatigue reports. Uh-huh. Um, and yeah. That all of pretty much all of the reporting uh, system is is done through this, and it's all managed by a a, a server based in Ireland. Oh yeah, uh, I mean I, that sounds fairly typical having these drop down things, but that's mm. important because they can then this all gets fed into this SMS system, and it can then mm. exactly mm. categorize and group. Uh, things together so you can start to see trends and and that sort of thing yeah yeah i mean you can definitely see where it's it's headed but um at the moment without getting this automatic input when you input the flight number everything pops up without that uh completely integrated into the system it means these these reports take a long long time and there's probably about 17 18 different sort of subheadings in each report wow. mm -hmm. um so they're extremely extremely detailed uh, but it, i mean it'll be great for uh, for planning in the future and, and trying to mitigate uh, any any risks yeah, there can't be an airline in the world that hasn't suffered some sort of issues with trying to shoehorn various bits of software into other bits of software is what i sort of call a potpourri of software packages yeah, yeah. and and you know hoping for the best i mean it, you know it's, it's it's bad enough to get itunes to work on a windows computer with each of them you know apple blaming mm. windows and mm -hmm. you know microsoft and microsoft blaming apple for so let alone trying I, to get I a just whole host Carlos. of different software <laughs> packages to, to, to work together yeah i blame carlos it's who, all who, his fault he has who, to... who's potpourri was right. he before John Paul? Something like that. Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, on to the next story. He was the floral one. <laughs> Abort. Uh -huh. Abort. To Moving on. the next story. <laughs> okay. Before this becomes a three-hour show. Yeah. Uh, this one is on the avgeekery.com uh, website. And, I thought uh, it was really witty. And <laughs> the headline is saying goodbye to a classic. The last flight of Southwest's Boeing 737-300 is near. So the uh, Southwest, Air, uh, Southwest Airlines, uh, Southwest, Southwest. Southwest. <laughs> Airlines 737-300, dubbed the Classics, will make their last and final flight on September the 29th this year. The 737-300s have been in service since the 1980s, making them among the oldest planes in Southwest fleet. And now, like spandex pants and big hair, these old reliable aircraft have run their course. Now that's a phrase I never Fast thought. Fast forward uh, to April uh, 2016, and the Southwest airline pilots airline dispute over training requirements southwest suggested separating a group of pilots that would specialize in flying the 737-300s exclusively since the faa had varying independence training requirements for the classic aircraft the proposed separation went over like a led zeppelin however there has been speculation <laughs> oh, no. that the pilots flat out refusal to accept what they believe was a div divisive action by southwest led to the rapid replacement of the classic fleet in favor of the Boeing 737 MAX 8. Observers noted the uh, noted a lack of uh, hoopla surrounding the arrival of the new 737 MAX 8 fleet. Southwest spokesperson cite the hurricane as a reason for the lack of a fanfare around the MAX's arrival, saying that a celebration would be inappropriate in such a face of devastating losses in the Houston area. The airline has suffered... Um, 
Uh, quite uh, the airline has suffered when catastrophic Hurricane Harvey <laughs> caused havoc in Houston. Houston, Houston? Hobby is the, so <laughs> is the second largest southwest hub in the country. The Category 4 hurricane caused torrential downpours and flooding that closed down airports and roadways. Regardless of the underlying reasons for the quick switch, Southwest Chairman and CEO Gary Kelly says the situation is a cloud with a silver lining since this new Max fleet will provide significant fuel savings and lower maintenance costs. The expected 14% fuel savings will contribute to the carrier's bottom line by reducing the cost of transport each year for each passenger. In addition, the Maxes have advanced technology, winglets and other technological advancements designed by Boeing to make them even more efficient than other narrow-bodied aircraft. And, well, it's good news, because they're obviously uh, getting these new, lovely new shiny Max uh, 8 uh, 737. Yeah, I mean, it's, it seems to be that sort of Jim Bowen is alive and well in South West, you know. OK, boys, you've been chosen for the, the classic fleet. Here's what you could have had. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <Yeah. clears throat> Here's the shiny new one, but you won't be getting that. You get <laughs> There's, actually, there's still loads of these flying in the in the freight kind of yeah. Uh, yeah, guys. Yeah, yeah. The, but then that's the same with seven four sevens, isn't it? There's there's loads of seven four sevens that are still very much uh, active, alive and well as as some um, sort of carrier. You know, well, I wonder. Well, there's, um, there's there's plenty of Electra freighters around, so let's not get too modern. And, well, oh, yeah, <laughs> that's actually quite true. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, very good that, point. I was actually. offered a job on the Electra once. Did you really? Mm, yeah, I wish I'd taken that. Oh, really mm. awesome. <laughs> So the last. I didn't realise had a toilet to empty on the Electra. That, that's quite surprised me. <laughs> the last story, uh, Matt. I yes, think you better okay. take this yeah, before. Okay. Wish before these... luck. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So this is um, on the um, the Bazinga website. It, what? <laughs> so uh, Right, okay, so this one's been sponsored by Sheldon Cooper then. So the CAA offers advice to air travellers as Hurricane Irma approaches for... Serious face, everyone, serious face. Ottawa, uh, this, sorry, this is Ottawa, September the 8th, 2017 is when the story was released. It says, as Hurricane Irma continues its destructive pass through the Caribbean and toward Florida, Florida uh, the Canadian uh, Aeromot- Aeromobile Association... Ouch, that's a mouthful. Has some advice for those who've booked travel to those areas in the coming days. First of all, check your flights frequently. Flight cancellations and long delays are likely, says Jeff Walker, the Chief Strategy Officer. Members and travellers who have booked with CAA are also encouraged to check with their local CAA travel consultant for further assistance. CAA is one of Canada's largest leisure travel agencies. Other tips include make yourself aware of your airline's cancellation policy. Some airlines are waiving fees and issuing changes to rebooking policies as a result of the storm. Monitor weather conditions regularly both in your departure city and destination. Check with the hotel staff for your lo- for local updates on the storm's impact to their facilities. Check your flight status before leaving for the airport. Consider signing up for text or mobile alerts from your airline for the latest information. Obviously that may not, not work if, if the area has just been hit by storms because of course the messages won't get through. If you're already in Florida or the Caribbean comply with any evacuation orders uh, these are put in place to keep you safe if possible postpone all non-essential travel Irma is the most powerful Atlantic Ocean hurricane on record it's uh, destroyed
destroyed all buildings on the island of Barbuda, of Barbuda, sorry, on Wednesday before continuing on the French territories of St. Martin and St. Bart's. Forecasts show that it will hit the bottom of the Florida Peninsula on Sunday morning and travel into Savannah, Georgia by Monday afternoon. Uh, I mean, uh, we sort of uh, alluded to this at the top of the show, basically. Um, please, everyone, do your best to stay as safe as you can. And I think I think the, the best piece of advice of all is only travel if you really, really have to. Mm. Um, mm. You know, it's 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 not good out there, I don't think. I mean, it's, we're so lucky, really, here in the UK because we don't get any yeah. of this, do we, really? Um, you know, we, we get a little hurricane and it's it's sort of exciting rather than actually sort of damaging, I suppose. So it's uh, stay safe out there if you can, guys and girls. Yeah, I think this is good. Um, this is good no matter where you are in the world. If there's a weather around your area, significant weather around your area, and you are going to be flying or you're going to be uh, traveling, this is mm. good, uh, a good idea to get yourself... Yeah, I mean, uh, most most people have travel insurance that, that cover them for mm. most yeah, things. Yeah, you know, and I yeah. think also a very very good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, you say that though. Um, interestingly, um, flights were operating today out of the UK to Miami and Orlando mm. because, as it stands at the moment, the Foreign Commonwealth Office are not issuing travel advisories mm. for Florida, and it is still acceptable to travel there. Yeah. And on that basis, your your travel insurance won't pay out for really? cancellation. Right. Okay. I mean, do do you think, based on on what we're reading, that, that, that some people make make alterations to their policy in in view of the weather, or do you think they won't they they won't change anything? Uh, what what you mean the insurance companies? Yeah. Well, they, they yeah. Um, no, as far as they're concerned, they tend to use the the Foreign Commonwealth Office advice. Right. So, um, so for example, the Virgin flight out of mm. Manchester uh, this morning took off as normal for Orlando. Right. Okay. Didn't have many people on it, but it no. took off. Yeah. Um, and I know there was a Thomas Cook flight to Miami, mm. um, because as it stands, yeah, the the government aren't um, sort of uh, saying that. Uh, travel is not recommended to these mm. places um, yeah, okay. because as it stands at the moment nothing's happened to Florida yes okay yeah some some airlines are being proactive I know BA has uh, sent out at least one um, empty aircraft to I think, course, I think, I think Florida and it was to, a, uh, to evacuate and Bryce Norton, for example, has been sending out. Uh, I know they but they sent out a couple of aircraft today, didn't they, with with supplies on board and things uh, for for the affected areas? Because uh, of course, some some of these places that have been hit are British territories. Mm. Well, yeah, oh, yeah, I have a little bit of an axe to grind here with the UK government, having Ooh. spent you know a period of time working out in the Turks and Caicos mm. Islands and the Bahamas. Um, the the Dutch were extremely good. They had mm. their uh, DC-10 in the air on the way to uh, St. Martin and the Dutch Antilles last night. Mm. Um, there is no doubt that we're a bit behind the drag curve in the UK. You know, we were still loading aircraft this afternoon at Bryce. Yeah. Those aircraft should have already been en route. Yeah. Um, you know, there's no reason why they couldn't be at least flying to somewhere mm. in Central America if they can't assure a landing strip in the Caribbean. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. You know, because then they're only, a, you know, an hour away from, you know, when the Marines or whatever can, you know, repair a runway at Antigua or somewhere mm. like that. But, you know, having them still being loaded, as far as I'm concerned, yeah. um, you know, without a shadow of doubt that these are parts of Britain. Yes. 
you know yeah. we like to loosely flower it up and say you know the overseas territories but yeah. um they're about as british as norfolk in my mind i think yeah. spent a lot of time out there and probably and, closer uh, to you than, than than we are uh but yeah <laughs> um so yeah. you know i i think you know mm. we we, we we should have done better by these people. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yes, mm. it's uh, that, that's fair comment, and I don't think there'll be many people that'll disagree with you. There. I we think do one appear of, to have been it's a bit slow on the uh, the uptake, shall we say? One of the headlines which is in the news yeah. at the moment while we do run this show now is um, is just saying that uh, it's uh, a little bit disappointing our yeah. uh, response. Mm. So yeah. yeah. Which is unusual for us, I have to. I have to mm. say, we are normally quite quick on the uptake, but we we've obviously dropped a ball on this one. I think. Well, we spend so much money on foreign aid, yet we mm. seem to, you know, not. I mean, I know this is a bit political and it's not a political show, but we mm. seem quite happy to, to spend it on projects of rather dubious nature. Yeah. Yeah, when mm. it comes to, you know, providing, you know, shelter and water for, for our own. Humanitarian aid. Yeah, citizens yeah. in, you know, other parts of the world, mm. you know. Um, we should be doing better. And the thing um, of it is, you know, we've we got do. the capabilities. Exactly. We're not are. a poor yeah. country. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, yeah, I think the people. Um, you know, I, I still have friends in the Turks and Caicos Islands. I think they will be feeling very let down. Very disappointed, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Okay, well, we'll leave it there. So that's where we bring the commercial news segment to a close. So we've got uh, some segments to play you out now. Mm. And uh, the first up uh, is uh, a segment that's been sent in to us uh, by listener Mark Harvey. Now, uh, Mark has been to uh, uh well he's been and done some interviews for us yes, at yeah. uh, Bri- is it Bryce Bryce Norton, Bryce Norton yeah. yes so they had a family day didn't they uh, a couple of weeks back yeah. and uh, and that's mm. where this uh, this came from so uh, let's uh, welcome onto the show for the very first time i have to say mark, mark harvey, harvey. Hello, this is mark harvey for plain talking uk and i'm standing here with uh, paul Whitaker uh, from the gazelle squadron based at Bourne park uh, north of andover right and um, and the helicopter that we're standing next to which is pretty obvious from what you've just said uh, is a ex uh, Royal Air Force uh, military gazelle ex-military gazelle um, which is now in civilian ownership and um, was uh, released from the uh, Air Force about 15 years ago um, uh, we're, we're the gazelle squadron we're a group of enthusiasts uh, who attend shows such as this one today which is uh, a typical one Bryce Norton uh, festival uh, uh, we, we're a maintenance company, we look after about 16 or 18 uh, ex-military gazelles countrywide and we own a couple of gazelles ourselves, this one here, um, ZB627 uh, and also a Royal Navy, ex-Royal Navy uh, gazelle and we uh, use those aircraft uh, for both static and flying displays at, um, at air shows uh, through the summer season. Yeah, yep, I, yeah. I have seen you in the past, it's been, yeah. been very good. So. Yeah. Uh, obviously, the Gazelle no longer in active service. Um, um, pretty, pretty much, both the RAF and the Navy have disposed of all their Gazelles. Uh, the Army have disposed of most of them, but have still got about 30, 30 to 40 uh, still in active service. Yes. I didn't yeah. know they were still using yeah. them. Uh, yes, they are, yes, yeah, to a limited degree. Yeah. Okay, so yeah. Um, how did you get involved with the Gazelles? Uh, well, my, my personal involvement is through my brother in law, who's an ex military helicopter pilot. Um, gazelles are his passion, they're what he learned to fly on uh, in the military and what he flew many thousands of hours on. Um, I'm uh, uh, retired from a, a banking organisation, so I, I now spend uh, my time uh, supporting him basically uh, in operating our company, which uh, is an ex military gazelle maintenance company. 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, do you actually fly fly yourself? Uh, no, unfortunately, well, I do have a fixed wing license, but not uh, not helicopter. Yeah. Sadly. <laughs> yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Great. And uh, so, you're attending many many air shows. And yes. Yeah. The uh, yep. do, do the displays as well. Uh, yeah, we've the, done the um, we've done three or four displays so far this season, uh, both. Um, both dual with two aircraft and also uh, single aircraft displays. Uh, we've recently attended the Silverstone Classic and did uh, three displays there, three days running. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we did a display at um, RAF Odium recently. And, and we've done a number of displays um, throughout the season, yes. Right. Uh, so it's just something we're trying to uh, build slowly. This is our third season. And yeah. we're just trying to uh, build and um, you know um, spread, our, spread our name and um, uh, make people aware of us, really. Okay. Yes. Yeah. That's great. Well, it yeah. seems to be sort of generating, yeah. creating, uh, generating quite some interest here yeah. as well. Which yes. Is good. Yeah. Brilliant Absolutely. for you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I'll just ask one more question. Sorry yeah. to throw this one at you, but we, okay. we do yeah. a surprise it all the uh, all the pilots we uh, talked on it. Yeah. Uh, if you could fly any aircraft, uh, current, out of service, no longer around, any aircraft at all, what would it be? Myself. Well, that's a difficult one. I, I think I'd. I think I'd say the Gazelle, actually, um, yeah. because I, I very much like to be a helicopter pilot one day. Um, I've done a limited amount of fixed wing flying. Um, yeah, so my answer to that would be the Gazelle. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. It's a lovely. Um, it's an agile, fast, uh, sleek, still state-of-the-art looking aircraft. Yeah. yeah. In my opinion. Yeah. yeah. Great. Yeah. Wonderful. Thank you very okay. much indeed. Thank you for right. your time. Okay. That's Here with. Uh, Flight Lieutenant Matthews, Flight Lieutenant Leo Matthews from 72 Squadron. Right, and the aircraft we're standing by is? Uh, a Shorts Tucano, uh, so it's a basic fast jet training aircraft used to bridge the gap between the initial flying training on a Grob Tutor uh, onto what students will go onto afterwards after flying the Tucano, which is a Hawk T2, uh, for those guys who have been sent fast jet. Okay, so that sounds great. So how long would you spend on uh, this plane? Uh, students will spend about a year just shy of a year flying this it's about 110 hours uh, on the course uh, and when you finish the course on the Takano you get your wings um, so you get your RAF pilot's wings once you finish the course here. Fantastic so how long have you been flying Takano? Um, I started at the beginning of 2016 uh, did the course myself uh, finished flying on the course in October so did that 110 hours um, then had a few months off before being uh, selected to be uh, an instructor on the Takano so taken straight from finishing the course, put through instructor training, uh, and I've been flying uh, again since the start of this year. So about a year and a half, two years now. Right, fantastic. So uh, what else have you got in the logbook? Um, just a tutor, uh, the Grob right. tutor. So um, I'm, they've always creamed people off at the end of Valley. Um, I've just been sort of creamed off at an earlier stage, so we're technically, well, unofficially called skimmy instructors. Uh, there's four of us up at Linton at the moment who have finished the course straight onto the Intercarno. So we've only flown the Grob Tutor and this. So. Right, fantastic. So, uh, right, so a little bit more about the aircraft, the, okay. the uh, Tucano. Uh, what sort of capabilities does that have? Okay, so it's designed to be a basic fast jet trainer. So it's a turboprop, jet engine turning the propeller at the front, um, and jet like handling characteristics. It cruises around, we do low-level navigation at 250 feet at 240 knots, so about 300 miles an hour. That keeps um, you awake. It certainly does, um, and the idea is basically it's everything what you've learned on the tutor, but faster, lower, to get you more used to flying 
faster speeds to then progress onto the Hawk, which is again faster still. The instrumentation, it's very old school, it's dials, sort of steam driven sort of dials, nothing, no computers, no digital displays, no GPS. So all the navigation is done using paper maps and a stopwatch, um, which is quite challenging at times. Yep. Um, which is one of the limitations of the aircraft, which is going to be addressed in the, text, the T6 Texan, which is going to be replacing it in a couple of years. Uh, so it's due to go out of service in 2019 uh, and then gradually yeah, be replaced by the Texan, which is going to have your digital displays, moving maps, things like that, which are going to make it a tran an easier transition from this stage of training to the T2 and then onto the front line. Okay, good. And uh, a bit more about you. So what sparked your interest in it and what brought you into the RAF? Uh, always had an interest in flying um, from quite a young age. My, my granddad had been in the Air Force, so he started sort of telling stories and such. Uh, so I started to go down that route, thinking being a pilot in the Air Force. Joined the Air Cadets when I was at school, then went to university, joined the University Air Squadron down at Southampton, um, and then applied to join the Air Force as soon as I left university, um, which was just after they'd started to retake pilots after the whole SDSR mm -hmm. issue back into any sort of 2013 started initial officer training 2014 in January of that year and then progressed pretty much from there straight on through uh, without too many holds in between uh, to this point here um, always wanted to end up going fast yet um, so I've been lucky enough to get selected to go fast yet and sort of start that training route. Oh, good view brilliant thank you okay uh, one last question uh, one question that's always asked on Plane Talking UK okay if you could fly any aircraft, historic, yeah. in service, out of service, any aircraft whatsoever, what would it be? One aircraft's tricky, isn't it? <laughs> um, I think I'd love to offend the Harrier. Yeah. Um, growing up, sort of seeing that as a cool fighter jet that you wanted to go and fly, and now the fact that it's no longer in service, I'd probably say that. Um, if I could have a second, it would be the Spitfire. But... Uh, this Spitfire painted up to kind of is probably the closest I'll get to that for a long, long time at least anyway. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. Okay, great. Thank you very much indeed. No worries. And thank you for your service. Ah, no worries. Thank you. Well, I have to say, Matt, I think me and you are, and uh, Nev are officially... We're officially redundant. ...at, at the job. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, that was brilliant. I think we'll relinquish... Re 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 You're um, right there. Yeah, yeah. sorry. This is I think you just proved that point. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indeed, yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. We need Mark on the show yeah. right now. Yeah. <laughs> right, I think that's uh, next week's guest lined up then. Yeah, clearly, yeah, actually. So seriously, Mr. Harvey, uh, if Mr. you're listening Harvey, next you week, very, I'll be contacting much. you in yeah. regards to coming on the show. <laughs> absolutely. So, no, well, thank you so very much uh, yeah. for taking the time to do that while you were at uh, uh, Bryce Norton there. And it sounded like, I mean, I was watching, I was looking at like the videos and, and stuff that, that appeared, and I know there was mm. a lot of news coverage of it as well. Um, and uh, it looked like a really good day. And thank you very much for, for, for sorting that out for us. Blink and jealous now. Absolutely. Honestly. Yeah. There you go. See, that's how easy it is, guys and girls, yep, for you absolutely. listening yep. to send us uh, send us that audio in and, and yep. uh, yeah. And I believe all recorded on a phone. So I know. You know honestly, well yeah. done, Mark Harvey. Yeah. Well done. Yes, big yeah, round of applause. Hold yeah. on. Hold on. Yes, Here we go. Oh, Here we go. Oh, a big round. Yeah. Oh. Right. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Owen will edit the gap out. It, it'll be fun. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, Good. so well done, yeah. well done to you, Mark. So mm. coming up now on yeah. the show, we have got uh, 
Well, it's uh, it's well, it's a very special interview that we took at uh, Seething, yep. and uh, and well, t- uh, no, this one was in the, uh, in, the in the in the in the pilot's tent. Mm. Um, uh, me and, and Nev t- just walked in. Yeah, <laughs> well, yeah, as you do, as you no, do. Well, we did have it. You, we did have VIP. We passes, did have VIP yeah, passes. Yeah, especially yeah. thanks. But yeah. um, no, this uh, this was quite an interesting interview, and this was with a couple of pilots who flew uh, chipmunks, uh, oh, wow. which was uh, quite an interesting and and tiger moths as well. So we're in the uh, pilot's tent here, and uh, we're here with with Dennis. So Dennis, what uh, what are you doing here at the ceiling? Well, we've got an organisation. We call ourselves Captain Neville's Flying Circus. The circus routine has been around since Cap- uh, the Alan Cobham uh, flying circuses of the pre-war days. We we're trying to keep that going, uh, and um, I gathered a group of people, like-minded people around me with a, a suitable aeroplane, vintage aeroplane, biplanes hopefully, um, and we do things like limbo, that's flying underneath some bunting which is held up by two 18-foot uh, poles about 50 foot apart, um, dropping balls, um, used to be flower bombs but we make it more interesting nowadays by dropping balls, and we either have a, a five-a-side football goal mouth or a cricket stumps, large cricket stumps, and uh, to entertain the crowd. Also, we do a streamer cut, uh, and so we, we chuck out toilet rolls, basically, and we chop them up with the aeroplanes as we go by. And uh, we also do balloon bursting, where we release balloons, and the, uh, we try and burst them with the propeller tips, because nothing else will burst them. And uh, so uh, we try and make it as interesting for the crowd, because it's certainly different. So a bit about the aircraft you fly then, Dennis. Uh, the aircraft. Well, I've operated a chipmunk, uh, and uh, my wife usually uh, flies a Thruxton Jackaroo, which is a four-seat cabin conversion of a of a Tiger Moth. Unfortunately, she's uh, not able to fly it today. But we do have a Tiger Moth, a camouflaged Tiger Moth, and to confuse everybody, another camouflaged Tiger Moth lookalike called a Queen Bee, flown by John. Um, and that was used as an aerial target. Uh, that was its original intention. Could cheap and cheerful, we could shoot it down. Only the gunners in the Second World War weren't very good, and that's why John's aeroplane still survives. Um, and we've got a Lemerod, a little Pierre Lemerod, home built, uh, designed in France. Elliptical wings make it look like a Spitfire, and uh, it's a nice mix of aeroplanes. Great. So, what we what we got to look forward to here at Seeding then today, display-wise. Well, the four aircraft, we normally have five, but today it'd be four, um, doing our normal routine, um, trying to position the aeroplanes uh, within the constraints of the legal constraints where everybody can see us and uh, entertain the crowd. Great. So because it's quite windy here today, is is that going to affect at all any of the display? Uh, Yeah, there'll be a lot of drift for the balloons. Um, There'll be a lot of drift for the streamers. Uh, so it's going to be a case of trying to drop everything in the right place so that A, the crowd can see it and we can hit it before we go and break the rules by flying over the crowd. So a quick bit about your flying career then, Dennis. Where did, uh, when did your flying career start? I started off as an ATC cadet on gliders um, and flying as an ATC cadet on air experience in chipmunks. When I was in the military in uh, Singapore, they had a chipmunk on the flying club, so I, um, I learned to fly the chipmunk out there. When I came back to England, um, I uh, started off as a tug pilot and gliding instructor. And um, when the Air Force started getting rid of uh, chipmunks in 19... what was it? 
1973, I think it was. Uh, I bought a share in one, been involved ever since. And um, in between times, I got various jobs. I've had 13, 14 jobs in aviation, um, most of them flying aeroplanes. And I went crop spraying to start with and uh, finished off flying executive jets for Ford Motor Company. So the chipmunk you fly, Dennis, most aviation buffs will know or heard of the chipmunk. What does it take to keep an aircraft like the chipmunk, you know, in flying condition? Because it's, it's a, you know, it's an old aircraft. Lots of money. <laughs> Lots of money. And time. Oh, even more time. <laughs> but it, you, you, love it, you love flying it? It's, um, uh, yeah, it's, it's recognised by people who've flown both that the chipmunk is perhaps a nicer aeroplane to fly than a Spitfire in as much as the controls are better harmonised and from a pilot's point of view control harmonisation should be everything Great, well, we're going to look forward to uh, your display later on today, we're going to be streaming it live so everyone around the world will be watching uh, watching you flying, so uh, yeah, look forward to that. Now John Hi. How are you? Hello Carlos, I'm very well thank you. Good, good, welcome so um, so what, what, uh, what do you do then John? Well as Dennis was saying uh, I'm one of the joint owners of the de Havilland Queen Bee that's here today taking part of, uh, in the circus along with Dennis and his friends. Uh, the Queen Bee as he pointed out is um, it's in fact it's, it's unique now because it's the only one left flying in the world. They were designed as uh, uh, unmanned radio controlled target drones in the late 30s and 1940s and uh, most of them were shot down and that's why this is the only one left flying now. Wow, so how old is the, air, the actual one you're flying now then? This particular one is uh, one of the laser models. It was built in 1944 and uh, it's all very agricultural engineering. It's, uh, it's all um, um, plywood and, and strings and wires and uh, held together by uh, simple nuts and bolts. Uh, in fact, it was built uh, in a backstreet factory uh, of the Scottish Motor and Tractor Factory Limited under licence from Scottish Aviation which were themselves under licence from de Havilland back in 1944 so it was built in Glasgow it was delivered to the Royal Air Force in 1944, May 1944 and it flew in the Second World War very briefly before being sold out into uh, private ownership after the Second World War finished So your um, flying career, where did that start for you? Um, I've only ever really flown for pleasure. Um, I used to work for British Aerospace as it was then and they sent me to Canada for a couple of years and it's something I've always wanted to do. So uh, I learned to fly in Canada initially on Cessnas and uh, I flew in the States. I got a twin engine racing on a Piper Aztec in uh, Florida. I've flown in California. Uh, I've come back here converted to a British license I've since learned to uh, fly on instruments and I've uh, done a night rating and of course now a, a display authorization. But I, I never flew a Tiger Moth until about 1990. Um, I was uh, abroad, I was in Australia on holiday and I decided to take a pleasure flight in a Tiger Moth. And with all this experience behind me, I thought I knew how to fly. When the guy who uh, was taking me up realised I was a pilot, he said, why don't you take the controls? He handed me the controls, and from that moment I realised I didn't know how to fly at all, <laughs> because I was all over the place. Since then, I've bought the Queen Bee, and I've learned to fly properly now. And I know I'm a good pilot because of what that aeroplane's taught me. It's taught me to fly properly. So tell us a bit about, about obviously the queen bee where i mean is can people look the aircraft up online is uh, like the registration or the 
Yeah, absolutely. Uh, registration is uh, Golf Bravo Lima Uniform Zulu, so they can look it up online, and there's there's lots of pictures uh, online for people to go and have a look at. Um, it looks, to all intents and purposes, like a tiger moth. The only difference is um, the fuselage is made of wood. It's from a moth major. Uh, everything else is tiger moth, apart from the fuel tank, which is slightly larger than the tiger moths. So people can be forgiven for thinking it's a tiger moth from a distance. Although you'd be surprised, I come to air shows like this at Seething, uh, all over the country, and people will walk up to it and say, ah, this is the queen bee. It's surprising how many people know about it. Oh, that's fantastic. So, future, what's uh, anything, any big plans for the future, John, or what are you... Um, not really, not, not beyond what we already do. This is a first for us at Seething. Uh, the team have never displayed as a team at Seething before, uh, and we would look to next year and future years to go to places we've never been before like this uh, and to do similar displays. We don't expect to, to extend the display, the remit of the display. We will continue to do what we do, uh, which we feel comfortable with. But in the sort of aeroplanes we fly, it's always a challenge wherever you are. So to wrap up, John, before we finish, uh, we're going to ask a quick question. Uh, it's a question we, we ask uh, all the pilots we interview on the show um, and it's uh, a bit of put you on the spot kind of question but it's given the chance to fly any aircraft in the world either retired or still in flying service yep. commercial GA military yep. what would that be a hurricane that was quick oh my my mind was made up decades ago absolutely I know most people would choose a Spitfire given the choice uh, people of my age anyway, people who remember, uh, well, I don't remember the war, but I remember soon afterwards. Um, yeah, I, I, and I can understand that. Um, certainly what Dennis says is true. Uh, uh, Spitfire's uh, controls are supposed to be very well harmonised. But for me, I, I think uh, the Hurricane, partly because there's so few of them around, many more Spitfires. And I think it might be a fraction easier to fly, partly because... Uh, you're sitting higher up on the fuselage, so you can almost see over the nose, almost like a tiger moth. Uh, and it should be easier to handle on the ground than a Spitfire because the wheels are so far apart compared to a Spitfire. So uh, I'm sort of chickening out there and uh, I think it might be a bit easier to handle on the ground. <laughs> well, John, I want to thank you very much for your time today at Seeding, uh, talking to the Plane Talking UK podcast. So on behalf of me and Owen and Nev here, uh, I hope you have a fantastic day here and we look forward to your display later on. Well, thanks very much, Carlos, and uh, have a good day. Thank you. Hello everyone, it's Nev here again and welcome to another in the series of Nev's Passenger Experience. Well, this week I'm speaking with Peter James, who is the Managing Director of Shaw Distribution in the UK. For those of you into professional audio, you'll recognise that company name as a major manufacturer of high quality microphones, headphones, speaker systems and much, much more. In fact, this interview was recorded on one of my Shaw SM58 microphones, which is the classic vocal mic. So how about that? We just finished a nice lunch at the club at the Ivy in London and before the drink really took hold, I grabbed the opportunity of having a chat with Peter about his passenger experience. I began by asking him how much he travelled for business and how he goes about choosing his flights. Um, I do travel a lot, certainly more in the last couple of years. I've uh, started to travel uh, 
far more outside of the scope of a what should be by definition a UK focused role yeah and it's not particularly enjoyable it's pretty difficult on planes to work you know business class flights carry a, a, a tariff with them um, and I think that you know the the lounge experience if you're able to use somewhere like Heathrow Terminal 5 leverage the benefit of the lounges there's a, an experience there but I think the in-flight experience leaves something to be desired um, I think that there's a, a, a failure in, on my part at least in some of the airlines to, to recognise some of their best customers appropriately and, and what that means um, and certainly the support um, around our ability to work and the desire to work is not always where it needs to be What would you say if your company said to you well Peter I know you're the managing director I know you're a very uh, senior chap but I'm afraid you've got to go EasyJet from Luton somewhat more comfortable with the selection of EasyJet over someone like Ryanair I think there are definitely ways in which uh, airlines can seek to uh, make their uh, service more efficient and <laughs> if we focus on EasyJet I think they're a, a company that's done a good, very good job of setting the standard for budget air travel I think on the other hand Ryanair is an, an airline that I've, I've, I've chosen not to use very frequently because I feel that they, they've um, lost some of the human element of their service and so from a business traveller perspective um, you are just one of every single passenger and that's not to say that I feel that I should be recognised any greater than somebody else it's just that there's a lack of respect for the reason that people travel and the, 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 the choice of airline uh, Ryanair more than any other airline that I've been with but there are others uh, definitely feels like you've spent very little money on your flight uh, EasyJet manages to, 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 to cross, cross that divide in terms of recognising you as a passenger and as an individual whilst having a model which, which seems to you know, allow you to try to save money and to be somewhat more efficient you know, travel's difficult you know, when you're travelling and trying to conduct work and to do a job um, it can be very difficult you know, to spend that hour or more in the airport each end um, then the, 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 the in-flight time which uh, is very hard to work with you know, the limited seat space to, to get a laptop open and do some work can be seriously challenging and certainly from a personal perspective if I was in the UK and travelling uh, over longer distances I'd almost certainly pick rail travel over air travel for that, for that reason. So if your company said to you well actually Peter there's a, a £200 flight to Frankfurt on BA or a £80 flight to Frankfurt from EasyJet or Ryanair uh, and the choice is yours what would you choose? I'd almost certainly choose um, a major airline and in, in the context of this conversation I think it would be fair to suggest that BA would be my choice of flight um, given the cost differential if, if what you suggest is true that one is £200 uh, and that EasyJet might be £80 I would suggest that for me the £120 difference to BA would be worthwhile it is the ability to use a, a comfortable lounge with Wi-Fi that appears to work which is not too restrictive which is comfortable allows me to be properly rested and to get some work done in a comfortable space um, is worth every bit of that price difference um, to work through an airport which doesn't respect um, a business traveller which doesn't make any distinctions which doesn't necessarily allow you the space to work and to be productive um, is, is definitely worth that difference in fare there's no doubt about it so really you're saying that actually the productivity in the lounge or, or wherever you are is really important uh, yeah it's ever so important you know we, we you know, the, the work-life balance is a a common point of discussion amongst many people that I come across you know we, we talk about you know families and personal life and personal interests um, but air time and, and air travel time is typically downtime 
So anything that you can do in that process to increase your productivity and to reduce your stress levels and feel comfortable is, from my point of view, is welcome. Um, if you go somewhere and no matter how much money you might be saving, I mean, there are limits to how much money you might be saving. And so we get, we get to a point where it's, uh, it's very hard to argue that you know, there are thousands of pounds of difference between one flight and another is worthwhile. But certainly at the lower level that you describe, I think it absolutely makes sense that you know, people can continue to work and be productive. There's nothing worse than you know, sitting in a car, traveling to the airport, and however much time you might need to allow for that, given travel restrictions. Um, and then security queues at terminals, that kind of thing. Uh, it, it, it's, it's pure downtime. It's pure downtime. And um, so air travel is not the most comfortable at the best of times. You know, telephone calls are difficult in those environments or airports. Um, and um, yeah, anything that an airline can do to improve that situation or provide an environment where you can actually conduct some level of work um, is a huge benefit. Marvellous, Peter. Thanks so much indeed and uh, really appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. recently returned from doing an interview with a very interesting lady. Her name is Michelle Robson and she writes her own blog which is called Turning Left for Less, the headline description for which is champagne travel on a Prosecco budget. This is certainly my kind of travel preference I have to say. Michelle has a genuinely fascinating story about how she came to write the blog and I think you'll find this a remarkable journey that she's undertaken. I began by asking her about the kind of audience that her blog was aimed at. So it's uh, aimed at miles and points collectors, but also those that prefer luxury travel. I don't really cover economy on long haul because personally, I don't want to do it. (laughs) I've got about a limit of three hours. After that, I definitely want a nice seat. So it it focuses on four and five star hotels, business and first class flights, but not ones that are ridiculously expensive. You know, it's the the level that's hopefully affordable um, to a lot of people. Uh, The other thing that I do that hopefully is useful is I have readers questions. So if anyone wants to write in, they can tell me their question, whether it's about a hotel or how to get something cheaper. And usually I'll put it on the blog. It depends if it's something very niche. I'll actually just reply to people personally. But if I think it's something that will be useful to lots of people, I'll put it on the website, either anonymously, if you don't want to have your name on there, or, you know, if you want to see your name in lights, I'll put, put that on there as well. Um, it also has daily deals, so I'll cover all the main airline sales that I think are good value. It'll cover hotel offers, car hire flights, pretty much everything to do with travel, even things like apps, because there are some apps that can really um, save a lot of hassle when you're travelling that people aren't aware of, and they're nearly always free. So why not have a look and see what what you can get? So, Michelle, what made you decide to write your own blog about the luxury end of the travel business? So there is quite an interesting story, actually, to how I ended up doing this. Um, I worked in air traffic control for 23 years. Um, Firstly, as a controller for about, I think, um, 19 to 20 years. And then I worked in management. Um, And I had something fairly life-changing happen to me in that about uh, two and a half years ago, I was told I needed a kidney transplant. Um, And that's why I had gone into management to start off with, because obviously strict medical um, rules for controllers. Um, and once I was told that I needed a kidney transplant, it does make you question everything um, as to what's what's really important in your life. Um, and I was working very long hours in my job and I decided I wanted to do something that I was really, really passionate about. And my hobby had always been traveling, particularly at the luxury end. 
Um, I like the finer things in life, I'll be honest. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah join the club, <laughs> definitely. <Yes. laughs> but like most people, I don't really want to pay the top price for yeah. it. Um, so I'd been reading a lot of blogs online and signed up for lots of things and had so many emails and blogs to look at. There wasn't really one that captured everything. And I felt I was left wanting more from what was out there. Mm. So I thought, well, why not actually write a blog what I want to read and hopefully other people will really enjoy it um, and I think also at work I was always the person everyone went to if they were trying to book a holiday you know where should I go is there a hotel you recommend what's the best place to get a good deal yeah. um, so I thought well why not capitalize on something that obviously I've got a lot of knowledge about oh certainly you definitely identified a gap in the market there clearly Yes, and that's exactly what I was trying to do. Uh, what I was aiming for was something in between the miles and points type blogs, which is quite a few, though not so many in the UK, um, and the more luxury blogs, and perhaps maybe even Condé Nast Traveller magazine, that sort of feel like like mm. an online magazine, but with a points um, focus as well. Yeah, interesting. Now, has it become a full-time occupation for you, though? Yes, it has. Um, I'm not sure I'm quite at the point of, um, you know, being a millionaire yet or making any... You can't retire on it just yet. (laughs) No, any substantial income, but I am doing it full time Mm. and trying to make it into a, you know, full time business. Was that a big leap to do that for you? Um, It was, I think with what happened to me, actually, I had to take time off work um, anyway. And I decided that was the time to leave the previous job and to just do something completely different. Um, But it's interesting, it's having left the job where I was working really long hours to try and get a better work-life balance, you realise that being a blogger is actually a 24-hour-a-day <laughs> job. And when you go on holiday, there's nobody left minding the shop. Of course, and the, and the international nature of it, uh, um, with all the time zone differences, there's someone always online doing something, I guess. Yes, there? absolutely. Sure. And I think with, with the blog, a lot of what I uh, talk about are deals that quite often will only last for two or three days. So I can't really afford to you know, not to be on the ball and keeping an eye on what's going on even when I'm actually trying to have a holiday. Of course. And how much air travel have you done yourself? A lot, I think, is is the answer. I mean, last year I did 37 segments. This year I think I'm already up to about 31 I think I'm probably going to go over the 40 mark this year. Yeah, um, I think excellent. it was 85,000 miles I travelled last year. Gosh. And what's your sort of uh, points um, status? What's your... Um, so um, BA Gold, Virgin Gold, um, I think that's about it for airlines because I tend to stick to one world generally, but yeah. I do really like Virgin as well. So. Yes, they're great carry, aren't they? Yes. Really good. And does your blog cover other aspects of travel such as cruises and accommodation? It doesn't cover cruises very often because I've found, although a lot of people like them, there's so many cruise blogs out there that I tend not to get a lot of interest from my readers. However, accommodation is definitely a big thing. I love luxury hotels um, in beautiful places, so I like to talk about how you can get them cheaper. There's so many deals and tricks that people don't realise. So I do talk about accommodation as well as um, things like car hire, parking um, and gadgets, apps, that type of thing. I really like like my iPhone and all the apps. Yeah, I was going to ask you what what sort of helpful tips do you do you cover? Um, so probably some of the biggest tips that I talk about are um, saving money on flights would be two things. Firstly, obviously miles and uh, credit cards are a big part of that. Though I don't tend to talk about them in such detail because again, there's other websites um, that cover the details of that. Um, and flying from outside the UK, that's my biggest travel tip. Quite often, if you fly from outside the UK, you can get a business class flight for marginally more than economy. 
But obviously, it does require a bit more effort and more time. Yeah, so a quick hop to Schiphol, for example, to get a business class fare to uh, the US rather than trying to do that from the UK. Is that, yeah, is absolutely. Yeah. Dublin's a big one. Stockholm. Um, it just depends where you're going. Each each place has a, a different different sort of fare that's best from that particular yeah. area, like Dublin for America. Amsterdam's pretty good both ways, actually, east or west. Mm. Um, and Scandinavia's uh, generally the best place for bargains. Yeah, I'm going to start looking up a few of these things, I have to say. Now, how do you go about reporting your findings? Is it just you that's doing all this? So it's mainly me. Um, I do have uh, two other people on board now. So I have my roving reporter who remains completely anonymous. (laughs) So I do think some of his friends may have worked out who Ah, he is. Yes. Um, He's been with me from the very beginning um, and he travels almost as much as I do. So he will, uh, when he's doing something that I haven't covered, he'll give me um, the details. But I tend to write his articles for him but he just um, gives me the basics and then uh, I've just taken on a new person who I also used to work with um, who is called Shanine she's um, now on the website you can see her details on there and she's going to be writing reports as she travels. How important has the social media side been for your blog? I think certainly initially it was really, really important because to start off with, you don't rank in Google. So the only way you get known is social media. It's still really important now. It's after Google, it's my next biggest source of traffic, particularly Facebook and also Twitter. I find Instagram, people like to look at the pictures, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're going to look at the blog, but I still like to share my travel pictures. I think um, the other really important thing about social media is the interaction Although people can leave comments on the blog, they tend to interact far more on social media because it's simpler and you can have a two-way conversation. Um, it means people can ask questions. Um, they can give you feedback on whether they like the article or there's something missing for them. So it is really important to just hear what people think about your blog. Hopefully they like it, but... <laughs> yeah, from what I've seen of it, I think it's a very, very accessible piece of work and it, and it looks very nice as, as well. You must have put a lot of effort into that. It's been a very steep learning curve, let's put it that way. I'm, uh, although I like my apps and things like that, I'm not technically minded when it comes to computing. I can, you know, use a computer and the internet, but that's about the extent. And having to learn how to do WordPress has been a steep learning curve. It it took me about a week just to work out how to centre the logo on the <laughs> website, but I got there eventually. It's um, it, generally WordPress is very easy to use, but there's just little quirks here and there where something really simple like centering a logo requires writing code. Um, I think I was really keen to make the blog look a bit different. A lot of the miles and points blogs tend to look quite cluttered, I find, and maybe looking a little bit dated. Um, so I wanted something that looked more like your Condé Nast Traveller type of magazine um, that was pretty to look at, but had good information and was almost like an online magazine. I was impressed with the way that your uh, site works across uh, all of the different platforms, whether it's uh, iOS, Android, or uh, just o- online or Mac or PC, it, it looks really good and, and very usable, I think. We've done a lot of work on, on trying to optimise it for the different platforms. Yes, definitely, because I, I'm normally w- welded to my mobile phone, as my husband would <laughs> say. <laughs> and uh, I wanted to make sure that people had the same experience, whether they were on a laptop or on a phone. And to be honest, nowadays, most people read blogs actually on their mobile phones, so it's more and more important that it looks good good um, and it's interesting I actually had something that was supposed to optimize it for a mobile phone and when I looked at it myself it looked terrible and yet that was the sort of standard um, app that came with WordPress so I've actually changed it and I'm quite pleased with it now. 
it's a big turnoff, isn't it? If it doesn't look right, then you're just not going to get the traffic or the engagement with, with people. So that whole user interface is, is vital, isn't it? Absolutely. And I think it's there's a bit of a compromise in that um, it may not be 100% optimised, but it looks good. It's got to be a balance between looking good and being easy to use, whereas the one that actually came with it, it was very, very simple to use, but it looked terrible. And I want people to have that experience where they are looking at lovely photos of somewhere they want to go. Because to me, that's very important, the visual aspects of the blog. I put a lot of photos in, hopefully normally my own ones, um, because that's what I like to do when I look at things online. You get inspiration from photos, don't you? You know, people's Facebook feed and they're on holiday somewhere and you go, wow, I'm really jealous. That looks nice. Absolutely. Now you've got it to the stage where you have now. What's the future for the blog? Where, Where do you want to take it next, do you think? Um, I think I'd like to probably blog more. At the moment, I generally do once or twice a day. I'd like to, like to have the time, hopefully, to, to do a bit more. But I think um, the future for me is very much in technology. So if you look at some, some of the more modern blogs, they're now using things like 360-degree photography. So that is my next purchase. I've got some um, really interesting flights coming up, like Etihad First Class Apartment. So I'm planning to get my 360 camera up and running for that experience so I can share it on the blog. Tell us where we can find you on uh, the web and social media. So it's all under Turning Left for Less. The main website is www.turningleftforless.com. I'm on Twitter at Turning Left For, uh, Turning Left for Less on Facebook and Instagram as well. And do you think that Instagram is going to be uh, an important platform for you because of the, the visual impact of it, the high quality photography that you can put on there? I think it's an important part of any blogger because uh, people want to see those visual side of it and um, it also helps them keep up to date with what you're doing because it's it's more regular than perhaps you know on the blog where it's more articles it gives you a personal connection but I think in terms of bringing people to the blog most people on Instagram generally just want to look at photos they're not necessarily looking for a blog but certainly in in terms of bloggers it is a very important tool well thank you very much indeed for talking to us today michelle really appreciate it thank you find this and other great shows at the aviation media network the voices in your head.com The Plane Talking UK podcast is a voluntary project that aims to keep you informed with the latest aviation-related stories from newswires across the globe. Producing our content does cost money, though. If you enjoy our show, why not help us keep on the air by making a donation towards the server and website hosting fees through PayPal? Any contributions would be greatly appreciated. Are you an Amazon user? If so, why not do your shopping through the link on our website? There's no cost to yourself, and Amazon pays us a small referral fee on qualifying purchases. To find out more about the show and to meet the team, take yourself to our website www.plaintalkinguk.com or find us on facebook at facebook.com forward slash plaintalkinguk on twitter via at plaintalkinguk or get in touch via email on podcast at plaintalkinguk.com thanks, thanks for, for listening, listening. flyby 5823 trent dane for 23r manchester wizz air 6x client flight level 210 direct to Bretman's park United 123, maintain 280 knots. London 2DME, turn right onto Bravo, link 21, join Alpha, hold at Mora. Speedbird 472, LOC DME, approach runway 27 left. Follow the green stand 544.
That's enough air traffic control for today, Nat. Bedtime. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to fly a commercial passenger jet? Looked up at the sky and thought, I wish that was me? Well, now anyone has the chance to have a go at flying in a real aircraft simulator. NP Simulations and Flight Experience London, the only official Boeing-licensed product of its kind in the UK, offer you the chance to fly anywhere in the world in their fixed-base Boeing 737-800 Flight Simulator. And that's not all. Ground School London offers many different courses for the up-and-coming pilot looking for a start in aviation. With prices starting at just £109, the sky's the limit. So for the ultimate flight simulator experience, or engaging preparatory courses, including those for schools and colleges, check Check out the websites at www.london.flightexperience.co.uk and www.groundschoollondon.com or call on 020 300 40 616. NP Simulations. Fly your dreams. And there you have it, guys and girls, the first first airing airing of our new ad that uh, is promoting our venue for our 200th episode and very good friends of the show Mm. as well, yeah, and Mm. well, it's going to be our venue there. Yeah, it is, Uh, and one or two of you may have noticed that uh, a couple of the people that appeared in uh, the visuals of that, because there there, there may have been three very regular uh, members of the show, one being Carlos, one being uh, a certain young chap by the name of Owen, and a certain Sir Nev. Uh, that all appeared uh, flying the simulator in that advert. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. My my thank my personal thanks to Owen because both Owen well Owen worked really hard on on helping getting that into really good shape. So I'm I'm quite pleased. I know, and a big yeah. thanks as well, obviously, to, uh, to Nick and Paul yeah, over at MP Simulations, so. who I know are probably uh, going to be watching the show yeah. at some point and will probably yeah. have seen this advert playing for their for company their very first time, on, yeah. uh, on the show tonight. So uh, for those of you guys who are obviously coming to London on the 20th of January yeah. next year, uh, you'll, be, you'll get the chance to, uh, to fly to yeah. in that simulator and fly... Pretty much wherever you want yeah. in the world. Uh, we literally have, and I'm not. I'm not just saying this because like we need to promote or anything, but we literally have like a couple of spaces left. Seriously, guys. Um, so if you do, uh, is literally. I'll, like, I'll tell you now because it's yeah. it's um, yeah. it's been updated since we last said about ten yeah. minutes ago. Okay. We have, as it stands now, we have five spaces left. Yeah, that's five. Absolutely. Yes. Spaces so if left. you are seriously interested in coming, we need to know ASAP. Um, mm. Um, so we've got literally five spaces left. Um, anyone, you know, sort of after that, we, as I say, once once they're gone, they're gone. Yeah, so, the spaces um, are very yeah. limited indeed. But uh, if you want to mm. have the chance and, and join us mm. on the 200th yeah. show on the 20th of January next year, contact us at uh, the show. You can contact us via our website. Just click on the Contact mm. Us tab. Or you can email us, podcast at plaintalkinguk.com. I'm not going to give too much away, but uh, if you are fans of podcasts, um, you need to grab yourself a space. I'm, that's all I'm going to say. We're, yeah, because yeah. it's, uh, it's not just us going to be there. No. So no. moving on. <laughs> but if you, if you decide and uh, and it's too late and all the slots have gone. Carlos can do his Jim Bowen and he can video the day and show you what you could have had. What you could have had, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> we'll be doing a lot of that anyway, to be fair, because uh, we're very lucky the fact that we have like we do have like nearly something in excess of nearly ten thousand listeners now. So uh, yeah, we, we're uh, going to um, yeah we're going to have to do yeah. a little bit of that anyway. But uh, yes, well, so you did have up to ten thousand listeners. Now Pip and I have been on it all probably. Right. <laughs> yeah, it's got at least half that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> indeed. So yeah, uh, guys, uh, that is where we have to start wrapping the show up. 
Um, so what have you guys uh, got to look forward to uh, this week? Anybody going anywhere interesting this week? We'll start with Pip. Um, not especially. I've got uh, a couple of days left of this tour, then I go home. Hey, can I can I do a little plug? Of course you can, yes, yeah. uh, Matthew. Yeah, of course you may. Yes, absolutely. In a couple of weeks, as you may know, I'm doing this London Marathon walking thing. Oh, yes. Are you doing it uh, forwards or backwards? Because uh, I need to know before uh, I do my sponsor. I, I'm going to do it forwards, actually, Alan. <laughs> Thanks <laughs> for the very generous offer, but I, I will go forwards. I have tried to sponsor you on three separate occasions of an, and have had issues with the link. Okay. <laughs> oh. Okay. Well, as far as I'm aware, the link yeah. does work. If you go okay. to uh, my website, plainsafetypodcast.com, yeah. and go to the marathon page, there's a link on there. And so if you've got a few pennies spare that you want to get rid of then chuck them my way because it's all going to a good cause the uh, thames valley uh, ambulance and we'll we'll, uh, we'll so um, please check it out we'll make sure that that link is in the show notes um that accompanied this episode so that'll be available uh via your usual youtube itunes or wherever it is that you get the podcast from a uh, link to um what pip has just uh, mentioned there will be available for you to click on Thank you. We want to make a quick special mention, actually, before uh, before we move on, uh, to Captain Nick uh, from APG, yeah. who uh, today has had uh, a, a slight bit of water egress uh, or ingress, uh, I should say, at his uh, home, and oh no. uh, he posted a video actually on uh, on Facebook. Uh, for those of you who are friends with Nick on Facebook, and uh, yeah, it's suffice to say, Nick had quite an issue with water today uh, at the at the front of his house. Uh, to the stage where it was, um, yeah, he had flood defences put up. Put really? it that way. Yeah. Goodness <laughs> me, yeah, absolutely. So anyway, is that bad? Yeah, it is. You'll have to look. But uh, Captain Al, what's, uh, what's going on uh, in, the, in the world of Al for flying uh, over the next few days? And are you going anywhere um, nice? Yeah, I'm off to uh, Faro in Portugal tomorrow morning. Ooh, I'm guessing that's in the 321. Uh, no, it'll be in the 3.20 tomorrow. Oh, 3.20. Oh, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, um, so yeah, off to to Faro in the 3.20. Hopefully they'll park us um, on the western side of the airport, and I can pop over to the cafeteria and pick up some uh, pastille de nata, custard tarts. Um, otherwise, uh, I shall have a very disappointed crew. Cause, uh, right, they're, they're is, like is that your job to get snacks, is it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'll pop over and get the Scooby Al- snacks. Al's job to get treats for the, for the, uh, for the crew. <laughs> um, and then uh, I shall be uh, flying back from Faro, and then I have a, uh, a weekend-ish, or half a weekend off. So I've got a few days off, um, and then uh, I have some office-type duties to attend to next week. So um, yeah, it's it's been a, a busy week this week so far because it started off with two days in the simulator. So oh, uh, nice! I bet, I bet. So, Here we go. So uh, so, Owen, what's uh, what's going on with you this week? Are you uh, office based or are you? Are you uh, be- I'm more or less office based um, to this week, uh, except for Tuesday which is my last day. It's my day five, and I am going to Reus, I think. Where I'm not actually sure where that actually is. So right, Spain. Yeah, Spain it's again? Uh, Barcelona West for you guys. Oh, is it? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> it's Barcelona. It's, it's, okay. it's good that okay. your cabin so crew I'll, I'll, I will be have saying. a deep and intimate knowledge of where they're going. <laughs> oh, hold on now. It doesn't really matter. The passengers <laughs> get on. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, they yeah. get off. Yeah. I do the same. They get on. They routine. have a bit yeah. of a fight. They get yeah. off. <laughs> More or less. 
all in a day's work. Indeed. Yeah. Although, yeah. I, although I have to say, because it's like I, I asked. Uh, I think you were in Poland. <laughs> I think you were were Owen. I think, and I said said to you, ah, oh, send me a nice picture of, of 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 Poland. And what I got back was basically a piece of tarmac with like Owen behind it pulling a silly face, uh, which yeah. it was just basically <laughs> the extent of when you when I mean people don't really realise it sounds so glamorous, doesn't it? But you basically land on a piece of tarmac, uh, and in most cases you very rarely get to go anywhere near the airport, especially yeah. in, in, yeah, in yeah, your case. Don't really get to see much. No, indeed. Um, but, uh, it could be worse, viewers. Earlier on, Owen was saying he's going to Hamburg for Steph's Berlin meetup. Yeah, well, that is true. I didn't say I'm going to Hamburg yes, for I <laughs> yes. um, You'd be amazed. So what that, the, I'll I, tell you what. I will be in Hamburg on Wednesday, Thursday. So you'd be a perfect Friday. journalist the way you've manipulated those. <laughs> what you mean, statements into lines. one merged <laughs> line? Yes. Indeed. Oh, dear. So, anyway, yes, <laughs> Owen is trying to make a serious point. If anybody is going to the meetup, yeah, he will be there to meet. So, uh, uh, do um, if you can go mm. along, go and say hello because, as I say, Dr. Stefan Owen and, every, and those yeah. people will be there. So, it's, so, it like so it, it's, it's Hamburg from the 12th to the 13th. Yep. No, the 13th to the 15th. Yep. And then um, it'll be Berlin from the 21st to the 23rd. And of course, uh, fr from our point of view, actually, there is a little bit of an impromptu meetup taking place uh, when myself and Owen are in New York. Um, we're hopefully mm. going to be You're doing going that. to New York. Yeah, we're going to be in New York yep. uh, between the fourth and the eleventh of um, the I think Owen's there a couple of days beforehand, aren't you? But uh, basically, between um, the, yeah, the I, fourth... I get there on the first of November, the yep. the afternoon of the first of November, and uh, I there until the 10th yeah yeah oh you're there on the first are you owen yes he is. yes yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Ah, now i might be passing back through on the 31st or the first very i'm cool. flying into newark i have no idea where i'm flying to yet but it might okay. be new york okay cool no newark but uh, i'll tell you what ladies and gentlemen yeah which is in new york oh, <laughs> oh my god owen <laughs> no it's not actually it's in new jersey, it's in new jersey. Yeah, but it's the same thing <laughs> It's, it's encouraging to see that these pilots have such an intimate knowledge of geography, isn't it? <laughs> the line and all that, huh? Yeah. Okay, well, this is going really well. Uh, there's anyway, <laughs> anyway to, to wrap up the show... It was going really well. I wasn't stressed. So, and yeah, now so, suddenly uh, I, before on, we hit on next the... Wednesday, I shall be in Pizza Hut. If anybody wants to come around <laughs> in Pizza Hut, as soon as this part of the show now turns to, like, yeah, okay, all of yeah. the, the hosts, uh, you know, oh, okay, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. divulging I'll their I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, some, sometimes it's a real shame that the things that we talk about while some of the segments are playing, uh, the things that we talk about during those segments, uh, if you could be party to some of those things... It, no, they uh, wouldn't want no, to be party no, to those no, things at all. No, they, they, really I, wouldn't. I wouldn't even go there. No, 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 it no, wouldn't no. get aired on, on YouTube at yes, all. Yes, indeed. And on that bombshell, ladies and gentlemen, is where we bring episode number 181 to Just a close. Just before we go. Okay. Oh, oh, God. Yes, this is what we do to the military dudes, is it? <laughs> yes, absolutely. Where's all the grey doll stuff gone? Right, okay. Yes, so uh, if you'd like to get in touch with the show, you can do so by the usual means. It's facebook.com forward slash plain talking UK, www.plaintalkinguk uk.com and of course it's twitter our handle is at plain talking uk please 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 we love to hear from you please send us either written or audio feedback uh to our the usual email address it is podcast at plain 
talkinguk.com. Guys, as always, it's been a lot of fun. Carrier pigeons. Let's shut up. Uh, <laughs> there's been, there's been uh, alarming. The, the, these these two have been alarmingly well behaved. Uh, don't panic. It's Notes just because they're both the through the window. So, they're so insanely tired, uh, and uh, they're now delirious, which is uh, why we're gonna we're gonna wrap up. But uh, yeah, that is where we bring the show to a close. Thanks very much, guys, uh, for coming out to play That's this evening. That's the climax. Uh, yes, indeed. Uh, and uh, <laughs> that's it. Before anything else goes terribly wrong, I'm going to end the show. So from all of us here uh, in PC, Are we going? UK, we're going. Yeah, that's oh, really? it. Uh, oh, really? Okay. come to an end. Yes, indeed. Everyone say goodbye. Bye. 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 Bye.